You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of SplatterPictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air, and I appear with always typical lydia today's show we're going to be doing the 2014 slasher film blood widow let me tell you the reason why we're doing blood widow is because Because wes is easy because wes is easy that's why we're doing blood widow (laughs) that's not entirely well it's not inaccurate but it also do you have to take in consideration that someone on the show is crying because we were doing too many movies from the 80s and i still wanted to do slashers because when I look back to our massive library of episodes now, massive, 64, 65, whatever, I feel like our slasher ones are the best ones. And I still wanted to do slasher movies, but I said, fine, I will do a slasher movie that's not from the 80s, not from the 90s, not even from the aughts. We'll go right to as modern as I can think of. So 2014. I've been playing footsie with Blood Widow for a while now, looking at it on Amazon because... I really liked the box art, which is not the best way to go about buying movies, but it definitely is indicative of my age. There, I find. No, there is a time when that was the only way. You know, the best you could do outside of judging it by its cover or being hooked and drawn in by its cover in the video store mm-hmm. is picking it up and flipping it over. I've been uh, thinking about video stores a lot lately. Because I knew we were doing this episode. And it is that. It very much is that. It is, It is. I basically, digitally speaking, I picked up this movie and said, I like the box. Mom, can we rent this? Yeah. And in turn, when you were like, I don't know about this film. Let's, I, I'm, I'm really sold on it. And I got your, your highs and lows within an hour of, like, of watching this. And I decided to not do any research, really, because I myself had seen the cover on Vimeo. A lot of midnight releasing films are available on Vimeo, and I am a, a bit of a Vimeo junkie because there's not many choices here as far as streaming in Canada. And they have a pretty weird horror selection. So I had seen the box art as well. Let's say I'd been walking through the same video store as you <laughs> for weeks previous, also eyeballing the cover art for Blood Widow. And then when you had... <laughs> After you went, Mom, let's rent this, <laughs> I thought, okay, well, there's my word of mouth that I would have got back in the day. So I totally treated it. Even though we hadn't had that conversation, I totally treated it the same. I didn't do any research. You lent it to me in that old school way by bringing it over instead of, like, you know, dropboxing some fucking ripped off shit. Yeah. Which is, you know, not what we do. So I thought, you know what? I'm not going to read anything other than the back of the box and just watch it blind on your recommendation. Because... Mm-hmm. I, like and some of our listeners right now who are a little bit younger or didn't really care about the video store as much if you're not like a hardcore horror fan because the video store is where a lot of us cut our teeth and finding a lot of these things in the first place and i was thinking about like the nostalgia of the video store and i think like one of the weird things about nostalgia is the things that you end up missing the most are the things that you never think are ever going anywhere even though like you you can see the writing on the wall for like CDs and, and VHS tapes and all that kind of stuff. You definitely could see like, yeah, this is, this is limited. This is going to go away eventually. 
But then, of course, now we live in a thing where it's like, it's all coming back. Uh, vinyls. I rest my case. But the video store is an establishment that we all used to go to. And as kids, as teenagers, we go to this place, we look for movies, we take them home for a couple of days, and then we bring them back. And that, and, and, and like, never, never in my life did I ever stand in a video store and think, well, these are going to go away. We've never been in a blockbuster when they were closing. <laughs> that was the single most saddest slash most gleeful, like, I told you so kind of moments I, in my life is standing in a fucking blockbuster that was shutting down because it was like fine you, you're, like, you're watching it crumble and laughing sort of gleefully and dancing on the ashes of what was fucking blockbuster but then all the mom and pop shops closing too that's the saddest part fucking and depressing and if people wonder why i i took advantage of a lot of blockbusters going out of sale my horror collection is the size that it is a lot of a large in part to the fact that i would go to video stores that I know that are closing down that will give you these movies for a song at this point. And Blockbuster ran my childhood mom and pop video store. It was a little place called Video Biz. It was on Alta Vista Drive, just at Bank Street here in Ottawa. And I went to that video store every single week and I was allowed to get a horror movie. Well, I was allowed to get one. My parents would buy, oh, buy. They would rent a, a stack of VHS tapes and I would always make sure my mom was like, oh, I'm going to the video store. Do you want to come with me? Mm, I definitely, I do. Yeah, always, every Be time. Because, Even if you didn't want to watch anything. Just, yeah, yeah. Because, because if I didn't go, then there would be no horror movie in there. There would be no Wes movie. That's what my parents called it. It's a Wes movie. And sometimes they would treat me like they would surprise me. Like my dad would come home and he'd be like, look at this, Wes. Fucking called Mosquito. I think he'd <laughs> like that. And you know what? I did like Mosquito. <laughs> <laughs> that's sweet of him that's sweet of him i was lucky in that my parents would bring home west movies all on their own so i didn't even have to go with them but i fucking loved going so i was always i would always go but there was a guarantee that if my mom snuck off to the video store all by herself she'd come back with something cool yeah i'd always be bummed out it's like oh you went to the video store i wasn't present for that you know the other thing about the video store that i really remember i don't mean to get into this whole thing about remember video stores kids but i one of the things that i liked as an older teenager like 17 18 going to a blockbuster something like that with your girlfriend uh or a significant other or whatever and just before a blockbuster closed and most of them closed around like 11 o'clock at night and the only people that were in there looking for movies to rent was just other couples on a Friday night that just waited to the up to, you know, you know that everyone had the exact same conversation that I had with my girlfriend at the time. We we're sitting there on the couch. What do you want to do tonight? I don't know. What do you want to do tonight? I don't know. What do you want to do tonight? And then nine o'clock, nine thirty, ten o'clock rolls around. And then it's like, do you want to just rent a movie? And I was like, well, if we go, if we're renting a movie, we have to go now. And so the, the last of you, just like fucking zombies wandering around. Nothing was sadder too when I would go to the, the, the blockbuster at that time, at that hour, and then walk out with nothing because nothing seems good to you. You're just like, nah, I don't want to watch it. Unless I'm going to like end up going home with like She Creature or something like that. Which one? Well, that's how you find movies like She Creature or Mosquito. <laughs> Mosquito and She Creature, definitely. Both uh, worthy rentals. Maybe not She Creature so much, but Mosquito I like quite a bit. Dave Pace had written a really good article on uh, Fangoria <clears throat> when he was there mm -hmm. about 
renting VHS and sort of just that cultural zeitgeist that existed when we were younger mm-hmm. and, and going to these stores. And he talked about the video store that I used to frequent, which turned into a blockbuster, which totally sucked because they basically took all the good movies and threw them in a big heap on fire. Oh, and yeah. Brought in the fucking umpteen copies of fucking Clueless or whatever the fuck. <laughs> well, really. No, that's I get what you. Happened. Yeah, yeah. The, the blockbuster guarantee of we'll, we'll definitely have that movie by having a wall of fucking rush hour two just ready to go which was great if you wanted to watch shit all night (laughs) the rest of your life but the horror sections in the blockbuster sucked really fucking bad and Mm -hmm. it had been really sad because the horror section in the bandito video it had been was amazing um so i rarely ever had that problem if i would go all the way to bandito video but i definitely had that problem going in there at 10 o'clock at night and there's like the lazy couple's Picking out their fucking whatever those people watch mm-hmm. and having like the horror section have been obliterated by people like me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's like nothing to watch. I'd often re-rent things at that rate. Yeah. I was always uh, with, with my girlfriend at that point in my life. It was always horror movie, but I had to, we had to get a comedy chaser. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. It's like, well, we'll watch the horror movie and, and, and she'll get scared. But then she doesn't want to have nightmares. So we have to watch like a comedy before we go to bed. That was... If I rented something other than horror, uh, would be something like uh, Amadeus or mm-hmm. Madness of King George mm-hmm. or like movies about Queen Victoria and stuff like that. You know, so happy movies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's how I found Farinelli. Oh. Yeah. And when they went out of business, I bought their copy of Farinelli because I'd already rented it enough times. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like, this belongs I think to they me. actually gave it to me. They gave me a lot of movies. I'd mm-hmm. walk in there and they'd just be like, here's a stack. Take some. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes you can get some really good gems. I remember when uh, the, one of the blockbusters closed near my place, I got some fucking sweet ass movies. And then that one time, unfortunately, when like one of the mom and pop, the Elgin video store oh. went a couple of years ago yeah. or like last year or something like that. Year, year and a half. Yeah. yeah. Man, did I clean up. And you gave me, a, you sent me a text message. <laughs> like saying like people are cleaning out the Asian horror West. <laughs> yeah, because I was one of them, and there yeah. was like already a lot of stuff that I knew had been there that was gone, mm-hmm. and people were descending like vultures. And the shopkeep had said like, "Oh yeah, it's been like this for days, and like it's just been a nonstop from the time I open the doors to close the doors. It's just so full of people. If only there'd been this many people in here on any given fucking day, I know this sort of shit wouldn't be happening. But whatever. Now Vimeo." Is my no. rental store. Yeah. Xbox is my rental store. Mm-hmm. You know, flicks fling to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. I wish we had Shudder because Shudder would be my, I, like, I'd never leave my house. Mm-hmm. That's a service that's only available in the United States. It's like Netflix, but it's exclusively horror films. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Netflix sucks so bad that I'm canceling. So fuck Netflix. Okay. Take that. Yeah. Because it's not, that is not my rental store. Mm-hmm. Like, even though it's not a rental agency, you know what I mean? It's streaming. But, like, it sucks that bad. That's, like, the 11 p.m. blockbuster to me. Not my favorite place to be. (laughs) But, yeah, now I peruse cover art, much like we have with Blood Widow on Vimeo. And that's where I noticed titles like that and Hayride and Mother's Day Massacre. But they also put out a couple real interesting ones like that uh, dead silence Mm -hmm. that gets a lot of buzz and then then they had the buzz over the um exchange of cover art because they couldn't have 
the severed tongue cover art yeah. in Walmart, so they had to update it to a different cover. The same sort of thing that they did with Heavy Metal Apocalypse, or uh, wait a second, Heavy Metal Apocalypse. Yeah, do you not mean Deathgasm? I do, I do, <laughs> because we can say stuff like that here. We can cut tongues <laughs> off and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and the really actually quite amazing excess flesh that mm-hmm. Vine Torture cast covered. Mm-hmm. So if you want to hear more about really good films that this Midnight Releasing puts out, they also put out a lot of like garbage and shit like this sci-fi called australians aliens <laughs> australians hang on a sec the verdict's still out on that that could be a, a, a like an exploitation citizen kane we don't know we haven't seen it yeah yeah so the all of their covers look pretty fucking cool yeah i'll give you that and and honestly blood widow was right there in my face i i think it was like a recommended if you like these movies you might like this one and so when i looked at the blood widow cover art i was like what the fuck is this and so I look at it, and and again, it was a little bit more expensive than I wanted to spend on a movie that I really had no idea about. And so I left it. But then when I really decided to buckle down, and I did agree with you, even though you're kind of wrecking my fun, I do agree that we needed to do more modern films because, I mean, good stuff comes out. So I wrecking said, your fun is, is a fun thing to do. I like wrecking your fun. That's <laughs> so, my favorite. So I, I, I said, all right. All right, I'll buy this movie. And that is where I basically, you got a series of <laughs> text messages from me as like, I went from disliking this movie to liking it. <laughs> yeah, you were like really, you were not only like lamenting the loss of money, yeah. you were lamenting the loss of time. You yeah. were probably an inch away from being like, see, this is why we shouldn't do any new horror movies. We should yeah. stay where we're comfortable and where we know it's good. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because even the bad ones are good. Yeah. Yeah, you were an inch away from that, I swear. Yeah. And then... The and then everything... tide rolled back in. Sunrise, sunset, man. Yeah. Like, it was cool. You were like, whoa, wait. Yeah. I love this. I, I love it. Yeah. And honestly, in terms of... I guess we'll get into what the fucking movie actually is. Well, first, no, I'm going to like say this is B-horror. It's definitely Mm B-horror. It's from um, a distribution company that has a lot of B-horror, like Mother's Day Massacre, Mm -hmm. under their belt. Yeah. Not known for amazing horror gems. So on one hand, it's like entirely right. If you were to read headlines about, about this, reviews about this, that would start out in a real negative light. On the other hand, you have headlines that say a slasher icon is born. Mm. attributed to blood widow mm-hmm. so that real 50 50 vibe that west texting me that he hated it and was probably <laughs> wasted all his money and he's like sad that he's wasting time watching it to he's loving it and hoping that i would agree enough to do it for the show and all that that 50 50 vibe is going to persist through the whole thing i definitely was on that fence because uh, sometimes uh listeners if you if you wanted to know we will sort of ask each other basically if Lydia wants to do a a movie for the show I'm usually not going to say no like Cujo like Cujo we're doing Cujo don't fucking worry August is coming um but uh sometimes I'm kind of in the headspace I don't know I don't know I don't know so I want to show you the movie and 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 sometimes I'll show you a movie and we don't do it uh because oh because I'm like I don't think this fits for the show and then you're like yeah it doesn't really fit for the show and then like you're right and so we we get rid of it, or not, not get rid of it, but we just move on to a different film. This was very much that, because if there was one thing I don't want to do, and I know that I have, as a horror fan, I have particular leanings. 
you give me a cool looking character. I like the mask. I like the weapons this character uses. I'm and I am a notorious cheap date in the fact that I'm very forgiving of, of films if even if I'm a little bit entertained. And even the text message where I was like, I don't really like this movie, it was more to the it was more to the effect of like kind of regular, kind of ho-hum, kind of I don't know, these kills aren't really interesting. This acting is atrocious in some parts. And 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 then for me to change my mind, like I don't want to think like there's a second half of this movie that is basically the best thing ever, but it it provides all the earmarks that I'm looking for. What I wanted this movie to be, the last 30 minutes of this movie is. Yeah. It's just totally it's, totally. it's just the, It lives up to the cover art. Yeah. In the biggest way. Yeah, and 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 so it's the beginning is fucking shaky at best. But then when I find out what these, I it, you know what it, it is, you you get a very clear understanding of what these actors are good at, what these actors are bad at, what this filmmaker is good at shooting, what they're not good at shooting, and 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 also you can really tell the parts that are cared about. Whereas, and, and that it can be attributed to, um, you know, if you're in the comic book world where I live, sometimes, you know, if you look at art in a comic book and you think, well, that's kind of a shitty drawing. It's because the artist didn't care about that picture. They're trying to get past it fast because this is not important to them. It's necessary, like glue, spit and glue to tell the story, but it's not really that important to them but then you turn the page and it's this gorgeous splashed page and this character looks better than it's ever looked you can tell instantaneously okay well that's what the the artist cared about that's what they're interested in and i really feel like this film is that you can see what they wanted to shoot you can see oh, what they wanted to focus on where everything improves and it's not necessarily that their skill improved because that's fairly constant yeah it's that they had something interesting in front of their camera to play with mm-hmm Mm-hmm. But not till the last half. Yes, yeah, so not even the last half, like last third. Yes, because there definitely is a watershed moment in this film. We'll get to it. There is a a, por- a point in this film where everything is really shit beforehand, and I'm not like be- trying to be an asshole. I just no, can't think no. of many other words to describe it. Yeah, there's a point where everything was shit, and then there's that point where everything is, um, like quite amazing. Yeah, really, really, really well done. You would think they're two completely different films. Yeah. Or completely different, like, people working on it. It's kind of sort of like Midnight Releasing. You could get two random films and one would be like, Access Flash, and you'd be like, this is fucking amazing. I'm going to watch everything these guys put out. And then you find Mother's Day Massacre and you're like, whoa, you know. What happened here? What What happened, Get the right? holy water, sprinkle it on it. <laughs> fuck. So what the fuck is Blood Widow even about? It's about a Blood Widow. It is about a Blood Widow. Don't know what that is? I still don't. <laughs> So at its core, the Blood Widow is a very straightforward slasher. You have young people going to a new area. Are they all in a van? They're not all in a van. Oh, good, good. That's one point for creativity. <laughs> but they get along like these groups of people. It's a it's a hodgepodge mix of young adults that don't seem like they would be friends in real life. It is true because it's like, why is the the fucking dude bro hanging out with like the pot smoker and the hippie chick and the fucking nerdy guy and you know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. no, and I really I kind of harped on it. 
um, while we were watching it as well. Well, I and they're all caricatures of those sorts of. That's things the thing. Too. It's like, look, if you have, like, if you're in a varied group of friends, you know, and people have different interests, and there's one thing that binds them together. That look, I don't necessarily like everything that you like, but you know, you're a cool lady, so I like hanging out with you. <laughs> like you don't like everything that I like, and you know, I'm a fucking radical dude. Especially when you start dancing. I, I'm always just kind of like, or, or singing, and I'm just like, what the fuck? But and guys, I do that a lot. He does, and uh, the other stuff though totally overshadows all of that. <laughs> but this is beyond that for sure, and those yeah. are normal incongruities in any friendship, mm-hmm. you know, where people don't necessarily see eye to eye or are clones of one another, mm-hmm. which is good and healthy because it's a big world out there, right? But these people are like oil and water. Yeah. They see, but they don't seem to dislike each other. They just seem so different. Yeah. Oh, they should dislike each other, though. That's the thing. The greats on me. They definitely should dislike one another. <laughs> Especially guy with the, the, the beads. The, the husband. Mm, that would be Hugh. 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 Yeah. He's the least likable to me, but he's also the most homogenized and regular guy. It's true. I really dislike him because of the very... So, okay, so... Let, I can't I can't hold back no more. So basically what we have here is we have our main characters, Hugh and Lori, who are a young couple that uh not engaged. They're a boyfriend, girlfriend, and they're buying a house together out in the middle of fucking nowhere, out in the country. And they seem to have two very different ideas about why they're doing this. Lori very much seems to be, well, I want you to be a serious guy. And we're going to settle down. This is a place where we can potentially have a family. Mm-hmm. Our, our juvenile party days are over. And Hugh, he just wants to party, man. He just wants all the best parties. You love Winston so much. <laughs> you really got to watch the remake and see how the female Winston treats you. N- no good? or nah, nah, She's hot. I mean, I love her hair. She has wonderful hair. That's cool, but is but she? She's but not is, as it, fun as Winston. Is man. she just toe into parties though, man? Not quite All the right. way that your Winston is. <laughs> but yeah, that's he wants. If he was Winston, I would love this fucking movie. Can you imagine <laughs> if they tied it together like this is this is what happened to Winston when so, like he met a lady in town and then tried to make him grow up. And he, he could put being away a cop because he can't handle that dangerous. He's not about that dangerous cop life anymore. Yeah. But he can't get rid of his urge to party. He can't stop partying. So if like Winston had like kind of retired. Kind of retired, yeah. but he still couldn't give up his At love. like 30 of... years old. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm too old to party, man, but I still... So we're talking about Cabin Fever, guys. I don't know if you listened to that episode. <laughs> That's a character from Cabin Unfortunately, Fever. Unfortunately, Hugh is nothing like Winston at all. He's no like to me. He's no fun at all. He's just a dude, bro. And I want to take that stupid wood bead necklace off of his fucking throat so bad. Yeah, it looks like he probably is super into uh, weed and Coors Light. Coors Light and weed. Yeah, yeah. flip flops. Flip flops. Yeah. He looks forward board, to board shorts. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of his bag. Clubbing. Clubbing. Yeah. Well. Lori and he were here. They've there. There's a a, a a couple that sold them the house, and well, he was invited friends over on their first night alone together, and that comes in the form of fucking just this ragtag band of caricatures. Got harmony. She's a hippie chick. If you couldn't tell from the fucking name, she carries a Buddha statue around with her, Mister Buddha. She got it as a solstice gift when she was four. Why are we? Why is our time wasted 
with stupid fucking backstories like this. Like, I don't care. Especially when there's such caricatures. It's like you look at her and you're like, okay, she's the hippie chick. But they spend, like, all this extra time, like, hammering at home. Although they don't really, like, ascribe a particular style of hippie to her. No. She carries a Buddha around, but she seems to be, like, an eclectic, almost like a Wiccan or something like Mm -hmm. that. But they don't really, like, subscribe to anything particularly with her. Except she's super ditzy and likes to draw and laugh. I don't know. Yeah. It's it's atrocious. It's an atrocious performance and an annoying character. They spend a lot of time that they could have really, like, spent elsewhere. Yeah. Especially with her. I like I don't understand the logic here. You have the character of Mark, who I was thinking is some sort of big dude bro, but he's just like really into photography. Film. Using film, film thirty-five millimeter film and vintage cameras and yeah. stuff, which you're right. It didn't grate on me quite as badly, but he does look like the super dude bro. You know, tight white shirts, yeah. gold chain, yeah. you know. Always with the weird remarks and not too bright. He's sort of like this uh, Joey from Friends. He literally throws out a your mom joke. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? But then he's getting all like artsy with film in his camera. Yeah, he's like, I really want to take like pictures on actual film. Harmony informs him that real film has soul. I'm like, all right, fine. (laughs) Whatever makes you happy. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Whatever makes you happy. Some of the lines, there's some weird lines. Like, whatever makes you happy is like a, a really lame line. That, that, is, that like, doesn't make any sense because Harmony... Okay, so once the, our, our band of friends gets here, Lori's not too happy about it. She seems to be irritated because this is a bit of the old Hugh, the party Hugh, the, the, the Hugh that she thought wasn't the Hugh that showed initiative, bought a house, and they were growing up, and now they were going to start nesting, and they're going to be a proper couple, like what she's looking for. She doesn't want to be dating a little boy anymore. She don't want no scrubs. Whatever. <laughs> I don't understand your hip speak here. But um, so the Hugh that she hoped had died forever when they stepped over the threshold. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Hugh that he was exactly last week. <laughs> not someone that you would buy a house with. But I suppose the the act of, hey, I'm buying a house and we're going to live there. His intention was we're going to have like the raddest party house out in the middle of nowhere. So no one will ever bother us with noise complaints or whatever. Just adjacent to the house, they have a neighbor. Or at least an abandoned home. They're not exactly sure. But while Hugh and Laurie are discussing this, our B-Squad decides to B-squad. decides to go next to the house. And what proceeds is the most ridiculous fucking five minutes of film I've ever seen in my entire life. Because I don't understand the context whatsoever. They want to go and explore this house that they assume is abandoned. They have no evidence that this is abandoned. They have instant evidence that... The garden on the property has been tended to, so at the very least, someone has been there recently. Doesn't stop Mark from smashing the fucking front door of this place. They go inside. It's very dilapidated, dusty, whatever the fuck. And then they instantly just start smashing things. Which, yeah. You you said that they start acting like 10-year-olds. It's completely true. They could have thrown out a couple lines to help ease us into this mindset Especially like if the garden's being tended, they could have blamed that on the Wilsons, the couple that seemed to be of taking care of Hugh and Laurie's new house. Mm-hmm. They could have just thrown out a couple lines or said things like, oh, remember when we wrecked up that warehouse and smashed all the windows? Ha, mm-hmm. ha, ha. Or something to make it like, okay, this is something that they would do. Why don't they have like random like uh, punk friends? You know, like sometimes it's like, here's our punk friends that like break things in like bad movies like this. 
They could have had t- like two guys that are just like we're the punk friends. Of their party is if they went to a house wrecking party. Yeah, yeah, yeah they could have yeah, yeah. mentioned something like that to make us believe that this is how yeah. they would tend to behave in a in an abandoned house. Um, but no, no, they just start like smashing stuff and like being like talking one egging one another on as well. Mm-hmm. There's a few little like scenes of them not wanting one another to wreck the house up but then there's an even more important if you like i'm using air quotes here because it's not important at all uh scene of the one girl that really likes her cell phone talking kenneth into throwing a baseball to wreck something and they end up knocking down a mounted bison head and it smashes directly through the floor and of course he gets a little happy and giddy on his destructive tendencies like Mm -hmm. the whoa wasn't that cool very much like a 10 year old that they're all acting like. Yeah. They don't really try and talk one another out of being destructive. They do tend to talk one another into. But none of this fits into what their characters' natures are that they've sort of established by this point. And it doesn't establish exactly what the point of this scene is. Because it doesn't really like end up with them angering anyone or angering one another. It doesn't cause any like conflict, mm-hmm. this scene, whatsoever. It's a real... <clears throat> waste and it doesn't build any of the characters i don't think yeah mm-hmm. it's really frustrating and at this point in the film i was starting to get that sinking feeling where i just thought i can't believe that i just blew 20 bones on this fucking movie i can't stand these characters and even if they're they're well we're trying to establish that these characters are annoying so we don't care when they're killed you can it's oh it's okay to make your characters likable and for us to not want them to die. I think successful slashers can have elements where you have asshole characters where you cheer for your slasher to finally get that motherfucker. But if everyone is like that, I feel like you're really taking the easy way out. People are going to love your slasher if they're cool and they're, you know, they got their cool kill skills and they got all their awesome practical effects and they look great. They look very iconic. The Blood Widow looks fucking fantastic. You don't need to make the characters annoying. And we can make it seem sad when they get killed. Because let me tell you, the other characters aren't going (laughs) to spend too much time worrying about that. No, not at all. The only character at this point that I liked, uh, because I didn't have the same sort of emotional roller coaster that you did because I hadn't spent money on it. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Just like, it's just a fact. Um is Kenneth is the only character that I liked at all. And I can't say that I liked him because I was 100% indifferent. He could have died right there of like a bee sting. <laughs> and I'd have cared just as much as if he'd die at the end. You know what I mean? Like I could care less. Could you imagine if Because he's did, like a statue. Could they? Could you, could you imagine if they did that? Like... Take the most likable character. And, and have like have him like die of like uh, anaphylactic shock. Anaphylactic shock. Anaphylactic shock, yeah. excuse like, me. Yeah, like ate a nut by accident and then the throat <laughs> closes and that's it. <laughs> and everyone's just like, shrug, he's dead. Carry on then, we're having a party, man. Yeah, yeah it's a good Or party. whatever. But no, Kenneth is like, there's nothing to him. There's no real backstory at this point about him. Mm-hmm. He's a complete enigma, but not even that interesting of an enigma. It's crazy. Because I was t- I was talking to this as we were watching the fucking flick. Like, okay, at the very least, like, even though everyone's a goddamn cartoon character, like, in this fucking movie. Harmony, I get it. You're like a weird hippie chick. I understand. I'll just reiterate, we're going to be pretty hard on this film from time to time for the first half of our yeah, conversation. And, so don't think that we're assholes for 
Yeah, and then saying their cartoon characters are shitty or like all those things that we're gonna say. <laughs> Sorry. It's been a while since we've done a movie like this, though. Oh, yeah. It's, it's been, like, a lot of uh, the last big chunk of movies have been personal favorites of ours or fan recommendations that we happen to like anyways. So I think the last the last one that we were really kidding it hard was, like, Nightmare City. And that was a long time ago. Yeah, true. That is totally true. And we even had some things to say about Charm, but... Uh, I think not- Charm was, like, my angriest, but I don't think I was... Uh, I wasn't in my right head at that and when we did that one. I wasn't feeling the best. Yeah, yeah, you weren't. And it's also about fucking hipsters, so whatever. But, yeah. like, all of them are cartoon characters, and the only one that's of any interest is, is just nothing. He's smoke and wind. Yeah. This guy. It's crazy because, like, Mark, I get it. You're a dude bro with a with a tank top over, like, at a tank top underneath a, a white t-shirt, which is a weird thing because you're going to wear a t- Why? Anyways. And it's like, you're into vintage photography, weird but i get it you go on with your quirky self amber she's classic i care about my phone i'm not getting any signal oh my god it's like she's that girl i get it um this guy though i couldn't tell you anything he likes he likes amber yeah yeah even even so he sort of doesn't even like her too too much like he's not stealing her away from her i think boyfriend I guess. Yeah. I think he's their boyfriend. I guess. I can't really tell. They yeah. seem to be good together, but yeah. He likes watching Amber. Yeah. He likes kissing her. He, yeah. But even so, he kind of looks disinterested and unimpressed by all of that, too. I don't know if he was supposed to be, if, if the direction to him was like, you're drunk, man. So be kind of like dazed and drunk. Because I definitely know people who drink and kind of space out like that. When he showed up out of the car, he was like that. Though. I mean, <laughs> even when he's drunk and agrees to like take acid later, he has the same look on his face. When he wakes up for the first thing in the morning, fresh out of the shower, he looks exactly the same. Yeah. By the end of the film, the only thing different is that he's running. But like, <laughs> he still has the exact same look on his face. There's no real range there not just in the actor's skill but there's no range in this character there's no backstory it's like there was no backstory whatsoever i will say this we are uh lydia and i are both very much aware of the fact that this was the first film that the director did right out of school and and a lot of and uh, i think all of the actors with probably the exception of one or two were felt were classmates yeah so i get it Evil Dead was also of a movie that was someone's first movie out of the gate with classmates as castmates. Just saying. Like, that can't just be your excuse for mediocrity. There was one thing, aside from the Kenneth character being this weird enigma of a thing that I'm positive I like him. There's things about him I don't, but mostly I like him, but I'm not sure why, because there's nothing to like. Um, <laughs> quite a few times... Well, there just isn't. There yeah, just, it's, no, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. I hope to see him in something else because I really like the look of the character, like the actor. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. maybe he has range, but we just don't know from this. So it's true. So little is asked of his character. Yeah, yeah. So that's not helping. No, not at all. But like quite a few times in this, we would... I made a joke of this one really just throwaway scene uh, that has Amber when she first gets out of the car and she's like, fuck, no style reception. And I joked that... You know, that took 40 takes because who knows, every scene could have taken 40 takes and they worked with what the best that they could get or they didn't. And what was played was laid. And you had mentioned that there's a lot of times and we've said this about other films 
in one scene, it just would have taken one more take. Why didn't they just try yeah. that one more time? Yeah, I feel like you're almost there. You're There's almost quite there. a few scenes, even in the beginning, which has, you know, we're very, we're very disappointed. If we'd only watched up to the halfway mark on this, we'd just be very disappointed. Mm -hmm. If I was oh. the type of person to turn a movie off out of disappointment, which I, I never, I never have done. I've never stopped watching a movie. I've paused it and come back to it. I stopped watching the Carrie remake. Oh, that's uh, fair. Yeah. Um, I don't hate But that. I watched all of Uninhabited and I wish that I would have turned it off. What a piece <laughs> of shit. But um, there are, were quite a few scenes in this that was like, damn, I wish they would have tried one more time. Mm -hmm. And you had said there's a, a face slapping scene. There is a face slapping scene later on in the movie. And if I, I watched all the extras on the DVD because by the time I was done this movie, spoiler alert, I love this movie. Yeah, I know, but, right? But um, so I wanted to watch all the extra content. Not only um, were there extra, there were cut scenes that really would have helped. I think they should be inserted back into the film. Uh, and, and, and at a brisk 84-minute runtime, you could put them in. Like, and they're very short scenes, too. Yeah. They're very, very short scenes. But uh, there's this one face-slapping scene where I'm like, that's a better take than the one that's in the movie, in this outtake reel. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I get it. Like maybe it was because like characters broke it like at, right after the scene was done. I can't really quite remember, but I remember that the, the slap that was given, I was like, well, there you go. More of that. That looks good. The slap in the main movie. Not so good. No, that's not. And it's one of those things where you're, when you're watching it, you're thinking one more take. There is another take. It's just not in the movie, but yeah. whatever. There's quite a few scenes that you're like, just one more take would have really, really helped. This yeah. scene. And look, I know like we're kidding this movie pretty hard, but like, I I know that everyone went into this wanting to make the best thing possible. No one, they, like, they weren't like, I can't wait for this scene to suck. Like, <laughs> it's not that. But what I think, if I were to give advice, and look, I don't make movies. It's not my job to tell people who make movies how to make movies. If I had a suggestion, I would let them know that in storytelling, you can't love one part of a movie you have to love it all. You have to love every single scene. And if you do, it will come across. Because even if you feel these scenes are boring or these scenes are the spit and glue that we need to get to the parts that I really care about, if you put everything into those movies, it will work. You will get the best out of your actors. They will absorb your enthusiasm and everything will get elevated. But you can just tell that it's just we don't i don't care about they're this just scene. chewing the cut until they get to the part where they get to take a big poop or something <laughs> i'm not sure of a good analogy there but it's you're totally right it's the same in writing uh you've no doubt read books or short stories or comics or whatever mm -hmm. where you can tell that they were they blew their load at the beginning and mm -hmm. now we're just sort of like trying to wrap it up yeah, to some sort time, of ending basically. or the you're just chewing the cud and you're like trying to establish characters just like you feel you have to do a paint by numbers to reach your huge set piece ending. That is mm -hmm. your big like orgasmic fucking climax that you the idea where your idea is sitting and all the shit around it is just shit. A lot of times I won't even start writing a story if I have a really good beginning or setting or character. I won't start writing and just sort of like. You know, pull the taffy is your favorite Yeah, saying. I like to say pull the taffy. Yeah. I won't just pull the taffy on the rest of the fucking story. I'm not going to start writing it until I have a nice whole story that I care just as much about all the other things 
outside of my gem of an idea. And obviously the gem of the idea is this Blood Widow character. And all this lead up is just that, is a boring lead up, mm -hmm. unfortunately. Mm -hmm. If they'd have cared about it the way that you want them to care about it. Yeah. I think that from a comic book standpoint, one of the important things to remember from a, a comic book uh, is that um, comic book, you deal very much in characters. Comic books, the, the way that the media works and sometimes the longevity of certain characters, especially if they're not yours, one of the things you have to understand is that the characters themselves, when you're creating characters in comic books and you want them to survive, who they are, where they came from is the absolute most important thing. And then actually the stories surrounding them I mean, they can be of varying degrees as long as the characters are solid. That works in comic books. Oh, yeah. They could be fighting their nemesis or shopping for groceries. It's all going to be interesting if you've got a compelling character. Yeah, but like, it doesn't necessarily always work in movies. And I think that there's a little bit of a comic book mentality in this Blood Widow character, which is a wonderful character. And I want to see more of this character. But I just think that, again, and I don't mean to beat a dead horse and we're going to get to the rest of the movie but if we just care as much about her so we care about the others as much as we care about her then this movie could easily be one of those slasher movies that everyone has in their back pocket and we've done a lot of these slasher movies where you know like prowler uh, my bloody valentine whatever They're like hey man you hear about this one this could be that of 2014 this could be that but the care wasn't given at the very start yeah. Now, a lot like laid to rest had a little more care given yeah. to it, and it doesn't even quite reach that level. Exactly. But there's a few people like, and we're going to get into it, and like that headline that I tossed out of birth of a slasher icon, mm -hmm. which is not off the mark at all. Mm -hmm. But that's going to be three people that think that because a lot of people might not give it the time because they get halfway through and decide this is crap and hit stop. Or they watch it and they don't feel vindicated by watching this end. They feel like ripped off because they had to sit through the beginning. Or they just don't see it going anywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of going places, this our, our original group, once they leave the house, this isn't the end of it. There's an even bigger party coming, man. <laughs> and holy fuck. This is one of those scenes where I found myself getting aggravated with the movie Big party scenes are not an issue for me. I understand that they're not something that you're too wild about. I feel like if it makes sense that a lot of stuff is happening at a party, but this party is literally not progressing anything. It, it I mean, at the, at this, at the one hand, it's causing tension between our main cast of characters. Laurie is upset because Hugh and Mark are just like fucking drunkenly philosophizing in the kitchen on the kitchen floor while a lot of people are dancing and she's having a good time but she gets uh water poured on her excuse me beer poured on her <laughs> or the girl taking just has her mouth open they're pouring water or i mean beer oh into my god one fucking guy is just like going ape shit well people just like fucking sh sh uh, shoot foam in his face and his tongue is just going ape and i'm just like what kind of party is this because and I'm like, Wes, is this how people parties? Like, I don't fucking know. I don't know. <laughs> like, like no, so no. it's it, it's a bit of a rager, I guess. Like, the, it's like, if you could say, like... There's probably 20 people, though. That's I know. It's rager. like a lame rager. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a bunch of people in the house in this party. And, like, honestly, this fucking 
this portion of the movie seems to last for 10 minutes. And the whole time I'm sitting there, I was watching this movie for the first time. And I was like, I can't believe this fucking scene is still happening. Like, I can't believe we're still at this fucking party. Why are we still at this fucking party? This is not conducive to fucking anything. Now, one of the things that we do know at this point is that the blood widow is not, does not take kindly to people entering her home. And so at this point she has ventured out, of her property and is now going to go see what the noisy neighbors are up to. She ain't too thrilled with what she sees. We would. Oh, who would be their music is shit. I, I think that like watching that scene, I was like, there's definitely no music playing in that scene when this was shot. Cause like these people are <laughs> dancing in a way where they're not listening to music. It's literally someone on a fucking boom mic going, uh, or what, what, like someone with like a fucking megaphone going like, and you're dancing, you're dancing. There's music playing. Like maybe there's like one sad boombox in the corner, just or like, somebody just like beatboxing or something. Yeah, they're everybody to, dance now. It is but, the most ridiculous. But. They're not dancing. Like it's it's really really kind of pathetic. <laughs> they don't know how to drink. They don't know how to dance. They don't even know how to look like they're partying. Like. Well, I mean, yeah, there's definitely that. So this is where we start developing a, a like. So Lori is looking for Hugh. She's angry. Like Harmony is. On has dropped acid and is angry at Kenneth because Kenneth and Amber are making out and she wants to go to back to the creepy old house even though she was this house is creepy and this house is like a bad aura and I don't really like it and then they leave um, the blood widow has shown up at the house and she kind of gives like a Michael Myers head tilt and I wanted to ask you this I asked you this when we were going watching the flick but it seemed to be a lot of channeling uh, like Myers-esque head tilts here and there this uh this uh character of, of the blood widow what we know of her so far is that this is a woman who is completely clad in black it's like a body stocking almost and with she's got a, a a chest piece with a bunch of buckles on it it's more like and they don't we don't see her in quite enough light even at the end we don't see her in quite enough light to really establish exactly the functionality of her getup but it mm -hmm. looks like yeah a body stocking of some sort but probably more durable material because she's a fucking ninja yeah um but like a leather um full like bustier and like mm -hmm. suit i don't know with buckles around the front so mm -hmm. it's super body forming but mm -hmm. a, a more durable material like leather for yeah. the singlet area but like yeah. It's not yeah. like, don't think of it as a, it's not like a cat suit. No. It definitely is in parts, but it's very. It's all black, so it's hard to tell. It's hard to really tell. I feel like she has a lot of, um, I, I believe that the chess piece has a lot of compartments for her weapons. Her weapons seem to, she's just little cutlasses and she has um, sickles mm -hmm. that seem to end uh, and some knives. She's got a bunch of different blades at her disposal, seems to be what she likes to kill with. And, and she has this haunting doll-like mask and that's the most memorable portion especially from the beginning when we're catching glimpses of her mm -hmm. and seeing her like outside and in reflections mm -hmm. there's not quite enough of that i wish there'd been a little more mm -hmm. shadow play with her because it's done really really well mm -hmm. and she cuts a really great figure she's very lithe very small woman um and that's an that's another thing i mean this is a slasher there's tons of slasher movies out there uh, where the killer is a woman. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times when the killer is a woman, it's it's our sneaky reveal. Oh my God, it's a woman. But um, in this case, it, it very much is making an iconic slasher out of a female character. 
and which I love. And I, it's quite obviously a female too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's yeah. she's a she's a very slight woman, but you would not mistake it for the frame of a man. It's very much the frame of a woman. Mm-hmm. So even though like you can't see a thing when we say a bodysuit, like it covers the back of her head and everything. The only thing like it's almost like a like a gimp suit, I suppose. Yeah, almost. Yeah. Like there there is a, a bit of BDSMness to it, slightly. Yeah, mostly only because it's all black. It's, it's all black, which nice which knuckles. is which is great because it makes the mask pop so yeah. much. It's, this ghostly white featureless and it's not painted with lips like a Mikado mask or anything like no, that. No, 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 It's just a plain white kind of filthy mask. Yeah. That looks strapped on and these big leather straps that run around the back of her head Which and the top to wonderful, hold it, are wonderful like bolted touch. on. I love Quite it. industrial looking. I, yeah. I like that. And kind of rough and DIY looking. Yeah. But yeah. It, so it makes the mask pop, like you said, totally. Yeah. So when she's doing um when she's doing her head tilts and when she's being cast, this is where the light is really good. I mean, some of the scenes in this movie look like they're fucking lit with birthday candles. But when you're doing scenes with her and she's all clad in black, even when she's outside and that mask is catching all that light, it looks fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. Very creepy. Uh, and and this is where I could this is where I'm getting kind of excited. I'm like, all right, all right. All right. So so the so the the, the human quote unquote characters are clunky and the acting isn't what you want it to be. Is that what I came here for? I mean, I would have liked that, but okay, well, we're here for the Blood Widow. What do we got? So she's creeping up on the house. We have our first, uh, well, our second victims. Our first victim who we skipped over is is a, is a guy that is taking photos in the very beginning of the movie. Almost like a po- like a, a post credit scene or a pre credit scene. Yeah, and we had thought that maybe he was like an urban explorer, somebody mm. that's looking at these abandoned places. I, I frequent a website called Abandoned Ontario, I think it's called, mm-hmm. um, that lists a lot of these. And I've done this exact same thing: go and take photos in an abandoned property to share with others that either can't go there, are afraid of going there, don't want to break laws by trespassing, and stuff like that. That's what we thought this guy was. This like abandoned or urban explorer mm-hmm. but yeah he was killed in a pretty pg-13 method and i was really worried because i was thinking to myself oh come on are we doing this are we doing pg-13 camera cuts away blood. scared look person with a knife blood splashes across the camera and i'm i'm fine if that's one kill I'm fine if that's one kill or I'm fine if it's just like in a really amazing movie and I don't really need the gore. But in a movie like this, I'm thinking, well, hopefully it's gory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially considering how cool she looks on the cover. Yeah. And, and we're going to keep going back to the cover because it's so fucking cool. It's so fucking cool. Um, so when 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 she creeps up onto the party, there's a, a, a bit of a power outage. Everyone's upset. The music turns off. Two people making out in the front who stopped making out because they're like i can't see a thing and everyone knows that you need your you need like perfect lighting to kiss at all times and well no one kisses in the dark lydia i guess not i don't know yeah well if i can't see no one's getting any smooches I'm usually in the dark alone so oh yeah me too honestly <laughs> so both these two characters get uh double decapitated and they don't see her coming at all um, we both kind of agreed that we wish that we'd spent a little bit more time here or like I was just saying, pull the taffy on this, uh, double death scene a little bit more only because 
I want more of this and less of this party scene that won't stop. Yeah, because we go back to the party and it's like, oh, yeah, I forgot. There's an annoying party going on with people that don't know how to dance, drink, smoke or anything because they're like just, oh, my God. It's like a music video shot by a 12 year old. It's so random because the only reason why this party exists and think about it, the only reason why this party exists is to manufacture a fight between the two main characters that don't really matter. No, and they would have fought anyway because they were fighting before and it's a sort of like, you know, kettle boiling over slowly anyway between the two of them. They didn't need this party to exacerbate that. All he would have really had to say is, I can't wait to have the most massive house wrecking party in our new house, babe. And she could have just gone off the deep end screaming like a banshee. It would have worked. I don't understand why we're wasting so much time with this party. I don't understand why the party We really... just had a double decapitation that we spent literally 15 seconds watching. Like, like we're coming here for a slasher movie. Here's the death scene. And now we're going back to this fucking bullshit. And like I said, sometimes I'm totally fine with that. I am totally fine with, with, with horror movies without a lot of gore. I, I love tons of horror movies that don't have a drop of blood in them. It's not that. My point is, is if... The, the, the stuff that's not the killing isn't good enough to waste my time on. So why are we doing it? And it doesn't really work in that way that when I'd like to see like an, a loud, obnoxious, annoying party scene being used, especially when we're going back and forth from it, mm -hmm. is to jar you and make you feel uncomfortable after quiet scenes of tension mm -hmm. where you're trying to work out this, this puzzle or the mystery of it all. Or you've just been deeply unsettled by some revelation in the storyline. And then you're forced back into this like like obnoxious party scene that like confuses you. And, and just busts that tension really, really badly. Only to put you back into that place of suspense and tension and quiet. It doesn't work like that, unfortunately, at mm -hmm. all. Because there isn't a, enough tension and quiet. We get to see two people get decap decapitated. But that's really all that we get to see. Nothing really happens. We don't get to be steeped in the stealthiness and the ninja-like qualities of the Blood Widow. We don't get to really celebrate how good she is with her knives. She just took two heads clean off. Yeah, with like two backhanded like one-arm strikes for each head. That's impressive. I think so too. Like, like so. So we're not we're not like relieved and confused and pleasantly confused by being thrust back into the party scene. We're just annoyed. Yeah, because yeah. I'm like, well, where's this? Could she not have maybe killed one of them fast, and then we could have had like a chase scene with the other one, just to to demonstrate how quick the Blood Widow is that she knows obviously the this, lay of the land. The lay of the land. Yeah, so she, yeah, yeah. That's and that's like the best benefit of when you. When... I'd have like just some more establishment of how fucking stealthy she really is because mm -hmm. the Lori's outside being aggravated, but she's sort of around the corner of the house, so she doesn't really see all this go down. But she's semi aware of it because she's like, oh, "I thought I heard something," <clears throat> but it's really literally just that. She looks over with, oh, I thought I heard something. Two heads going thud thud. Do you remember that scene in Macabre where uh, where the, all the cops get killed? Mm -hmm. And like before they even know that they're all getting killed, like we just see the fucking guy like, like jumping over the stairs and fucking running this way and that way. And you're like, oh my God, they don't even know he's fucking there. <laughs> like something like that. Yeah. They, yeah. If, if they shot a scene like that where she's fucking stealthing around you would have been like oh my god you get an establishment of how quick she is in this movie eventually but 
and, and I mean, it's impressive enough to double kill somebody, to double kill people without them even knowing it. But just more time. More time is right. But they're spending a lot of time in this party, which is weird because not long after, it's morning. And it's mm-hmm. not like the party culminated into anything at all. Yeah, it's just the party's done. But like, while, uh, when uh, Harmony gets aggravated by Kenneth making out with Amber, and I feel like I'm gossiping. <laughs> but uh she'll go off to the creepy house because initially her plan was to take mr buddha go with kenneth and i guess like go to the house and probably just to be alone together to fuck on acid i, I suppose yeah. like that seemed to be what she was interested in which this- is weird because it doesn't really fit with her harmony like quasi wiccan eclectic fucking spirituality it is really strange she's gonna go fuck this like ambiguously gay guy on acid in the abandoned house okay Maybe it's just like her free-spirited nature. That seems I'm, like a more of an amber thing to do. It does seem like a bit more of an amber thing, but I don't want to cast dispersions. Well, shooting on film with antique cameras seems more of a Kenneth thing to do. It's true. Maybe, yeah. maybe like, maybe like when everyone was getting their scripts together, they like dropped the pages and they got <laughs> the pages all mixed up, and it was like, no, I'm the one with the camera. Gotcha. You take the camera. Oh no, wait, sorry. No, apparently it's it's in the script. I'm the guy with the camera. Yeah. <laughs> that's what happened am i the chick that does acid or are you i don't know i'll be the chick that does acid okay cool okay cool so when amber is there just praying to i've praying to the buddha she's sort of just she's just flipping out she's laughing and waving her arms around like she hears music and then we get an idea of where we're going with this movie after the blood widow has decapitated these two people she is now re-entering her home Because she's crate trained like a puppy. (laughs) And she instantly disembowels Harmony. And then when Harmony is writhing on the floor, we get like... Intestines and and blood. Looks fucking fantastic. And I'm like, okay, this is what we're doing. She picks up Mr. Buddha in the greatest thing ever and smashes her fucking head in. And they, they, it's a quick cut. The special effects look all right. Um, not as good as the gut spillage. The head crush was pretty decent, though. I liked it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and and I'm like, okay, now we're talking. Here's the Blood Widow. We're showing gore. This is what we came for. Um, yeah. And we're also showing that the Blood Widow is incredibly vicious because she probably could have just not crushed her head and that would have been fine. But she's... She's ruthless. She's strong. She's quick. Oh, yeah. yeah, we've got all of this really neatly packaged in yeah. the first two, if you want to count the first one, three kills. Mm-hmm. So when it's daybreak and everyone's sort of, uh, m- the majority of everyone's gone home, they seem to be fixated that there's still a car there. The car obviously would belong to the two people that died at the party that they're not aware of. Yeah, We don't know their, those characters' names. We don't know anything. It's just there uh, to increase the body count, which is fair. They, there's all kinds of movies that do that. Uh, so I'm not going to harp on that. So while this is going on, while Hugh is still unconscious or or whatever the fuck, uh, Lori makes a call to somebody. And, and we and get the movie answering machine. It Hi. Is. It's straight up fucking... I can't come to my phone right now. <laughs> Hello. Would you like to see Aladdin? <laughs> really? It is the weirdest thing. And we don't know who she's calling or why. We don't know. But their mailbox is full. So whoever it is has probably gotten lots of calls. I don't yeah, have so no fucking idea. Who are they calling? It doesn't really seem to make any sense. She doesn't indicate who she's calling. You would have to, to know who she's calling. 
you're going to have to check deleted scenes on the DVD. At this point in this film, had I not watched it anywhere beyond this point, I would not give a rat's ass about deleted scenes, nor would I care who she's fucking talking to, because it just would This would be one of those things where I'm like, this movie name makes no fucking sense. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, because it is an interesting fucking plot point, if you know who she's calling, Mm -hmm. it's even an interesting plot point later on, jumping like way to the end when they find a camera, they seem to just know who the name of the guy who owns the camera and it's a name that we haven't heard yet at mm. all mm-hmm. unless you're really really paying attention to this movie to that up until this point you're not that interested in to remember the name from this phone call she makes yeah which would be a fucking magic trick in of in of itself it's bobby sullivan that's Lori's brother oh wow <laughs> like you know you could be like you could impress somebody if you were just watching this you'd be like oh it must have been her brother's camera and they'd be like oh my god you are a psychic yeah how did you guess that so the at the very beginning of the movie we are encountering a character that's taking pictures yeah with like a, an urban explorer that we had guessed because they don't name him he's they don't name him at all lines. he goes into the blood widow's home and then he gets quickly murked so that she in a deleted scene, in a scene not in the final fucking cut of this 84 fucking minute movie, we don't have a fucking minute scene where she just says, I asked my brother to take photos of the property before we got here so I could check it out, and he didn't even do it. Which would have just totally fixed all of that. Totally fixed all of that. And also in that exact same fucking scene, there is more backstory to the Blood Widow. Yeah, which actually explains a lot about the household next door and why it is the way it is and how come it's not just one person sequestered in in anger and loneliness mm-hmm. in like what we at this point assume may be a family home. We don't really know. We don't know because in this in the after party scene, Lori's going to make a phone call to the Wilsons, right? Yeah. And, and they are going to say... Oh, well, there was a little girl that lived uh, next door that was awful sick. And uh, uh, someone, some people, uh, died. Some people died. And uh, and and we don't like to talk about it. And we didn't want to tell you about it because that's scary. So instantaneously, you think it is, yes, a family home. But it's not a family home. They had a sick girl and people died. So you're thinking like, okay, so they had like a really bad cold. It's SARS or something. Something or like that. Like she was sick in the head and killed her family maybe. Like that's mm-hmm. what you're sort of thinking. So you're sort of convinced yeah, like, it was wh- a family home. There wasn't much to this. Yeah. It's a fucking, it's a boarding house. Which is infinitely creepy to me. And I love it. I yeah. love it, love it, love it. Because mm-hmm. I'm thinking like, you know, some sort of religious persecution. These children were abused. Or it was a bullying situation or something. To know, Just to know that it's a boarding home, my imagination fills in all kinds of blanks. And it becomes instantly amazingly cool. It, 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 it is a rich... Especially if they're finding diaries and dolls and these little things. Mm-hmm. When the, because it, it, it opens things up to a million possibilities. A boarding house. People from broken homes having to stay in this one place... Or, 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 from, or for whatever reason, a bunch of people that aren't actually related, all, all these kids living together under supervision, you're out in the fucking middle of nowhere. It was probably even more isolated years ago. What could have happened in this home? It may, it's like it's like creepy, like a hospital or a psych ward. And or it's something. kind of an old house. Like it's got the same doorknobs and other things like wallpaper and stuff. 
that's definitely turn of the last century. Mm -hmm. So it's like a hundred year old home. Yeah. And to look at it from the outside, it's being upgraded, but it is a fairly old dilapidated house. Yeah. So it just totally, it's probably, it was probably a boarding house for a long time. And all you had to say was it was a boarding house. And they, and this is the thing when, when I gripe on movies for leaving out, can you not throw a fucking line out? Yeah. When they do it, and cut it. Why? Why did you cut those fucking scenes? And it's like really literally the whole scene is a, is a minute long and it tells us who the guy was at the beginning that got killed first mm-hmm. and what his connection is to Hugh and Laurie. And it fills in all sorts of backstory, like even just impressions of the Blood Widow herself and the house and everything. And where that scene would have sat in the movie, it would have been right at the very beginning when our characters first went into the home that they had bought, the because it's uh it's Mrs. Wilson that explains this to it her. Probably would help with us as the an audience to pique our interest and keep us mm-hmm. interested even through the party scene, because yeah. we'd be like, "Ooh, that guy that just bit it is dead, and that was her brother. Ooh, we know this, but they don't." Yeah, and so it instantly sets like it instantly sets a tone of dread. It sets a tone of continuity that this isn't a random person. Mm-hmm. Um, it it makes the body reveal of that character more powerful. Way more powerful. It's not just a rando guy. And there's a when they're acting like 10-year-olds and wrecking up the place and Kenneth like knocks that bison head and creates this hole in the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark takes a piss through it. Yeah. And he pisses on the body. Yeah. Which I think is kind of hilarious. Yeah, yeah for sure. Even if you don't know who the guy is. But knowing who the guy is, it's just like, oh, wow, that's cold. That's sad. If you knew who you were pissing on right now, you'd be so upset. Yeah, right? Yeah. But you don't know. And and I was just like, why? Why? I'm, 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 I'm baffled. I hadn't watched them organically. I had been directed to watch them. And like a good girl, I watched them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I totally, totally agree with you. But had I not watched them... Those are the sorts of things, as the movie stands, as it's cut right now, those are the sort of things that I'd be like, well, why the fuck did they just throw this guy in? Or why the fuck did they just do that? Or what the fuck was wrong with this house? I'm still like, don't, I'm not really sold on the term blood widow. Me either. No, we'll get but... to that. But like, I'm like, what What was this house? Why the fuck is she even there? What the fuck? What the fuck? But with this like one minute scene, it's like all is forgiven. All is fixed. Yeah. It all makes sense. And it's more—it's more frustrating that it's there. It's the sound right there. isn't bad. The light isn't bad. I don't understand why the scene was cut. Yeah. It's not for time, obviously. Yeah, eighty-four minutes. Who cares? And even if they had to meet eighty-four minutes for some other reason, yeah, is there something a final project or something? I have no idea. They could put it back in for the DVD. It's like yeah. the year twenty. What year is it? Twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. It's the year twenty sixteen. They have the technology. You can splice that scene right back in. There's it, nothing wrong with it. Yeah, it's re- it's ready to go. Yeah, I don't understand why it's not in there. <laughs> but like, And again, if you're just like, well, you know, it's for pacing reasons. Pacing reasons? The fuck are you talking about? As like, you, first of all, I wouldn't even really say that there's a pacing problem with this film. Because you have a death at the beginning. You have a death at the party. You have a death immediately after. There's two deaths that are sandwiched pretty close together. The movie is fucking short as it is. I don't really think it counts as a, pa- a pacing problem. And anyone, who, if you're just like, well, maybe that's not important information for the audience. I'm like, that is critical it is information. critical information. And I don't think that it would have hurt any sort of pacing. In, in fact, I think it would have improved it because I found the Wilson's introduction extremely abrupt. And yeah. it doesn't seem like somebody 
that they would have any sort of like personal conversation on the telephone or that the Wilsons would be that concerned about coming back to help them or check up on them had they not had this conversation out on the porch, which according to the cut version, like according to the version on the disc, doesn't actually happen. These Wilson people show up, sort of like give a wave and... I thought they were huge parents All of a sudden they care about each other. The first, I, I, until we watched the movie today, yeah. I thought they were... I thought they were Hugh's parents. No, they're just like caretakers of the house, if not... Like, they're the owners of the house, but I don't yeah. think they lived in it. They might have built it and rented it out for a long time before deciding to sell it. I'm yeah. not really sure. Maybe there's a cutscene somewhere that will tell us that, too. <laughs> but uh, when when our characters... Uh, Realize Harmony's missing. Harmony is missing. They decide that they need to... They don't seem overly concerned with where Harmony is. They, I mean... Kenneth has said that she was tripping pretty bad and she went over to that house that they weren't really supposed to be going over with. My, uh, mind you, this entire time, Hugh and Laurie are just having this screaming argument and everyone just seems to be super entertained by it. As opposed to like, oh, our friends are fighting. They're like, oh, they're fighting again, which gives you an, a, a window into the fact that this is a couple that fights very often. It seems to be, it's petty. It's small. They, they're arguing with each other. This whole time, because they're very different people. I mean, one likes to party, one wants to to settle down and be mature. One of them likes crossbows. The other person thinks they're dangerous. Like they're very different people. One of them smokes. The other one doesn't like that. But that's, that was like the pettiest thing. Is like, well, like, how many times did he ask her to quit smoking? It seems like I was like of all the dumb things that that seems to be like when you're getting in trouble and you're getting yelled at, you bring up like a random thing. Well, like the answer to that question was once. Which is hilarious because it's like, well, you guys haven't known each other very long, have you? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's No crazy. wonder you're fighting. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, very weird. And none of these friends should actually be friends in my mind. So, of course, these people shouldn't be a couple. Yeah. They've assumed at this point that all of Harmony, like since Harmony took all of her stuff in Mr. Buddha and all that kind of stuff with her to the house for whatever reason, they assume that she went home with one of the other revelers. Uh, they the, the only thing they can't really seem to figure out is who's card of this uh, belong to of the two dead people they don't worry about it too long because eventually when everything's all well and good and i guess people are having a good time like it's gotten dark again and they're here for another night they know that the wilsons are going to be joining them in the am to help with the house i guess like help with the house i painted or something i don't know uh but uh in the meantime uh mark and amber are gonna take some photos and it's gonna be sexy photos she's gonna take her top off O-M-G, which she'd been probably trying to do when the first time they went to the abandoned house. Yeah. She was rearranging furniture so he could take better pictures of her before they started wrecking out the place. It's true. Yeah, so he was rudely interrupted. He was rudely interrupted. So now he has all Amber to himself. It's true. Uh, Not quite, because the Blood Widow is going to come out of fucking nowhere and stab that chick in the back of the neck. This is a great kill. The, the 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 angle the profile the blood splitting uh spouting from her mouth uh, uh the 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 knife through the neck or the upper chest or whatever it's great and and at this point i'm like all right all right like we're getting there like i'm starting to like i'm starting to be more interested in the movie which makes me sound sick but fuck off it's a movie but um no really yeah you're starting to they're they're you know scratching you behind the ears as it were yeah i'm like all right here we go and of course, uh, Mark's instantaneous reaction, absolute horror. His lady is now dead. He comes screaming back into the house. Everyone seems pretty 
like alarmed but very staged again the acting in this scene is not fucking choice but i don't want to keep harping on the acting because we've talked like ceaselessly about that but i will say this that everyone seems pretty alarmed and one of the interesting choices that was occurring in this movie and i asked you about it when we went when we were watching it but at this point they're continuously referring to the killer outside as a man yeah continuously He's out there. It's some crazy guy. He's fucking with the car. He's fucking with the car. How did he do that? They're instantly assuming that their their um, enemy is a man. Which and that I, persists. That yeah. persists. It's not just this initial glimpse that they're getting of the killer. And to look at the Blood Widow, even from a distance from outside, you know, there's nothing about her build that suggests a male physique. Nothing mm-hmm. at all. Is it the idea that someone in a crazy costume killing them would automatically have to be a man? Unfortunately, yeah. It's extremely sexist that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because no one's going to be that ruthless but a man. No one kills people but men. Nobody comes and stabs a chick through the fucking throat. Like, except men, right? Mm wrong unfortunately and if you fucking opened your eyes and took a quick look you would realize that this is obviously a female build Mm -hmm. i thought it was a really interesting choice i like the choice it's cool maybe it's all that michael myers head tilting that she's got going on they were like it must be michael myers like his brother like phil myers (laughs) fucking phil myers It's Michael Myers. It looks just like him, except he's got like glasses and a mustache. Yeah. And he, <laughs> well, this is maybe like Jill Myers or Michelle Myers mm-hmm. because she does have breasts. They're not like spilling out. Maybe that's the confusion is that if she had had like long flowing black hair and giant tits, they need a cutout thing to show the cleavage. Like a boob window? She needs yeah, a boob she window? Needs a boob window. And she needs to have like, maybe they should have put some different colored, like maybe a couple gray strips so that you could see the like the her thigh gap and the v of where her vagina would be oh okay so you could like maybe she needs some camel toe or something and some contrasting colors so that we can tell that she's got these like flared hips and like a like a nice ass like a gorgeous ass you need the the outfit to reflect these things oh what about like a a big bright like for the whole outfit should be pink let's be real yeah, uh, but, or maybe like a big like pink like woman symbol, like the circle with like the X and stuff like that. Just yeah, have yeah. that there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the tits would just do that for us. Could she have like a, a tattoo on her cleavage? Uh, yeah, totally. Yeah. She could have like a BW tattoo. There. <laughs> yeah. And actually just fuck, fuck covering her boobs whatsoever. You can just put an underbus corset on and like black X of electrical tape over her nipples. At least. Mm-hmm. There you go. Then we would know she's a woman. And only then. Yeah. <laughs> and only then. But yeah, it is kind of like sad. But I guess what they're kind of going for is not like as asshole-ish as we've made it yeah, out. We're, like we're accusing this. them of being sexist and then me wanting them to just like flop them tits out. Big juicy tits at that. Um, I think that it was just that small play of, well, you didn't think a woman could be this brutal? Well, guess what? Mm-hmm. Because holy fuck, this scene on the DVD is called The Siege. And man, is it a siege because she has cut the phones. She has cut the power. They actually show her turning off the breaker, which is a nice touch, I thought. Yeah. It also establishes to us that she's in the house when they have barricaded themselves. 
with that impenetrable two by fours of pine. I fucking hate this scene so much. They they they're panicking. There's somebody outside. There's a killer, a psycho with a knife, as they put it. I think it's a guy. So they board up the windows. Like what the fuck? These are like R two thousand homes, double pane glass and stuff. The only way that she's gonna come through the fucking windows is to go through the fucking windows, and it's gonna knock those little pine slats that you've nailed up with two nails on each side each. Like just as well, as it's, she's if she's gonna get through the glass, she's gonna get through your stupid fucking board. Yeah, it's not like this is fucking like uh, I was thinking. I was like, well, you know, windows didn't really help like stop like Jason Voorhees. Then again, he was breaking into like a cottage. And because that's the other thing, I, I was like, the force that it would take to break through windows like that. Let's just say that she, she, I mean, she's very strong. She's very quick. I absolutely think she is able to do it. I don't think she would be so dumb. I would like it if she'd thrown Mr. Buddha through one of the glass windows. <laughs> a wouldn't, blood covered with hair stuck to it. Wouldn't that be? Matter. Wouldn't that be fucking yeah, amazing? Skull shards and everything. Or like maybe she cut the face off of Harmony and put it on the Buddha and like fucking threw it. Now we're fucking talking. Do yeah, that. I would like that. Oh, man. That would get through the window and it would bust right through your stupid wood slats, too. So why you fucking waste a lot of time making all that noise, distracting yourself from the actual threat that mm. you don't even know where it is? Pick up some kitchen knives. Pick up some fucking weapons. Where's your crossbow? Go and fucking hide in the bathroom cabinet or something. <laughs> but no, no. We're going to, like, find a bunch of wood and nail it to the windows for no fucking reason whatsoever until... Some brainy access to Kenneth. Did you lock the door? Like I literally just asked you to. He's like, no. He did. He just didn't do it. Yeah. I don't know why he didn't do Kenneth it. Kenneth is awesome. He didn't think about it. And this is another one of those moments where I'm like, is he in on this? That and and you you put that in my brain, and I never thought of that. Then you, as soon as you think that, especially right here in this scene, you're like. He was so reluctant to wreck up the house. Yeah. He has been acting strange since he got there. And he's a strange dude. But even like when they first got there, he had this sort of like totally unimpressed, like doesn't seem to like any of his friends at all or like anything. You know, I don't know. It's just a really weird attitude he has. It would have have kind of explained all of that. And, and you think about the way he acted at the party where he's just like smirking and looking at anyone and not participating and just looking like a statue or a robot. It's like, okay, so maybe he's like in on this and he's just as much of a psychopath as this killer that's now sieging them. It would be really interesting. It, like, that would improve that movie. Completely. Yeah. Completely. But I'm just making stuff up. It's good, though. Mm. It's real good. It would also explain why he didn't lock the fucking door. They're all trying to batten down the hatches, as it were. And he had one job, to lock the door. It's true. Now, in this case... The Blood Widow breaks the door, knocks knocks out Hugh cold. Like he's a referee at a WWE event. This guy fucking gets hit by a balsa wood door, falls on his fucking back, and he is KO'd. KO'd. Kenneth heroically runs like a chicken <laughs> the second that fucking happens because they want to get upstairs. Kenneth, Mark, and Lori now upstairs. Amber is, of course, dead. Hugh is unconscious. I think they assume he's dead. I'm not exactly sure. Mark is freaking the fuck out. And this is where Laurie slaps him across the mouth. It's one of the weakest slaps ever. And like I said in the outtakes, there's a better take of that slap. Yeah, a really good believable slap that I would have enjoyed very, very much. From this point, the idea is they're going to go out the second story window. I love Kenneth's lines in this scene because he's like, she can't make that jump. 
She, it's too high. He can't do it. Like she, in my head, I'm just like, he's basically saying she can't do it. What he means is I don't want to jump from a second story window. Yeah. But the idea is that we're going to go get Lori to go get help and we're going to lower her down, barricade ourselves in here. We should be all right. And I don't know why they're sending Lori out because she was the first person to be like, I'm not fucking going out there. Kenneth's first idea was like, let's try and get to the cars as fast as we can right before the Blood Widow disabled all the cars. Which would have been an actually good idea, I think, because there's more than they could scatter and, you know, just sacrifice one of them, maybe. I don't know. Something like that. But she had said, I'm not fucking going outside with that psycho. So now they're sending her out. Mm -hmm. I I guess. Well, the idea now is we know that the Blood Widow's in the house. And if the Blood Widow's in the house, then you want to be outside of the house. The only reason why Lori didn't want to be outside of the house is because she thought the Blood Widow was there. Can she run faster than the other guys or something? I don't think that Lori... Well, first of all, I don't think anyone could outrun the Blood Widow. I don't think anyone on Earth could. Yeah, true. And so when... They're doing it right, though. <clears throat> yeah. Like, they're holding her by our arms and letting her down from the second story as close as they can close as they to, possibly the ground, can to the ground so that yeah. she, like, can fall as gently as possible. But you didn't know, Lydia. You didn't fucking know that the Blood Widow... Is basically Spider-Man. She is fucking like on that fucking wall. And we've seen a shot of that side of the house. There's there's nothing for her to hold on to. Which actually people are like, that's impossible. Mm, It's badass. Because what I think is she's got like a sickle in one thing. And she's using that to support herself. And she uses her other blade to cut mark's arms off and he's like nah. <laughs> it's um, a pretty cool little scene it's a too. great scene she uh, Lori drops to the ground with two arms in her hands like that's fucking fantastic i think that's hilarious it's so good and even mark's reaction isn't exactly uh, like it's not quite there but it's good and it's kind of funny and he does do this i have no hands yeah he's those wobbly arms like oh yeah. my arms blood everywhere yeah, yeah. And, like, and there's this great blood streak down the side of the building that looks fucking fantastic and as mark falls back kenneth like you just see the synapses going from his like feet back up to his brain as he's just a long pause and then ah! and then <laughs> Runs like he's fucking shaggy from Scooby-Doo out the fucking front door and then just sort of hunkers down uh, in the kitchen. I'm surprised his hair didn't stand on end and he didn't say zoik. Zoik! Like, I really, really expected that because he does do a very cartoonish run out of there. It's fucking fantastic. Um, But it would almost be like... Like, I would play with this whole, like, Kenneth is in on it, even though he's not. But, like, Kenneth is in on it. That's why it took him a minute, because at first he was just admiring the work of the Blood Widow and being mm-hmm. like, yes, that's what you get trying to escape. Mm-hmm. I love that scene, because it did come out of nowhere. Doesn't It's not a jump scare. It's not yeah. that, like, kind of thing. But when they turn and see her there, you're as surprised as they are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Mark... Uh... We assume Mark was dead. And when I first saw this flick, and even afterwards, when, the second time, because this is the second time I've seen this movie now, I was wondering, would that would he be dead? Would he die of shock and blood loss? Like, because they don't, we never go back to him. But he really just did get his arms cut off. And Kenneth locks the door. And that's another thing that makes me think, Kenneth is in on it. Yeah. Because he locks his dying friend in in this room where the Blood Widow can have yeah. free access. I like the picture, like the shot of her crouched in the window. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I guess like the idea was that she would have finished him, Mark off. We don't get that scene. But like... Some fava beans and a nice canting. Um, yeah, maybe. The next scene that we get. This is where I'm sitting up in the... And, and at this point, 
this movie has my attention. I wouldn't say this is in my journey of do I like this movie or not. When we pan from when we we're now in the basement, we're back in the basement. We see Laurie is now strung up. We the camera pans down. The set looks great. It's lit great. Laurie looks fantastic. The chain looks great. Her arms are positioned up over her head. And now the Blood Widow is going to work on her. She's got a camera. We've seen this camera before. It's Bobby's camera. She very robotically um, holds it while she crouches down. Uh, she's not holding the camera just yet, but she crouches down and she shows um, she shows Lori a whip. But this whip, it's, it's usually just like a, any old like whip that you can get in like a sex shop or it's something. It's like a cat like of nine tails type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a, a flogger. It's uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's a cat of nine tails with. Uh, hooks on the end. Yeah, it looks almost like fish hooks or or something. Yeah, so I call it the um, Cat of Nine Tails Hellraiser edition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is like kind of sexy. It's all black leather and everything. It's a really nice Cat of Nine Tails that has have these very sharp hooks oh, attached yeah. to it. Really lethal. Really painful horror. Oh my! Oh my God! This thing looks like it is going to do some serious damage. Yeah. Almost like that scene from Passion of the Christ where they got like that crazy whip that like rips flesh. Yeah. Out of uh, Jim Caviezel's fucking back. When the, the blood widow will cut her jeans off to do it, and this is one of those scenes where I'm just like, I see what we're doing here. Yeah, I'm like, is that is that like it was just all that crappy because you're just like blowing off time until you can get into this like. 20 fucking minute torture scene. Is that what we're doing? Okay. Okay. I'll All watch, right. I'll watch 20 minute torture scene. But like, but at the same time, I was like, like when that scene was happening, I was like, I'm a little interested in this. What's happening? Like, um, at this point, we kind of skipped over this because when we were talking about uh, the brother and the extra information, what we know about the Blood Widow, uh, what Lori knows about the Blood Widow is that this was a boarding house and there was a bunch of girls here. There was one girl in particular named Tiffany. 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 But it's a very cute name. It's fine. Whatever. Every time I bitch about, I don't really, I'm not 100% behind the term blood widow for this killer. He reminds me that her name is like totally Tiffany. Yeah. yeah. I was like, what, no blood widow? What do you want? It's like Tiffany. <laughs> you can't give yourself nicknames, Tiffany. I'm not calling you blood widow. Exactly. Okay. So Blood Widow it is. Blood Widow it is. Otherwise, it's Tiffany. So what we know about old Tiff is that she was a very troubled girl. And there was one of the caretakers, some one of the male supervisors, instructors. What would you call someone running a boarding house? It depends. Like a governor. Governor. That's cool. He had sort of taken a very special and extraordinarily inappropriate interest in this girl. Gave her a ring, claimed her as his property. And everyone in the boarding house knew that daily this girl will be put in the basement and subjected to, we know, torture. We don't know everything. You can you can probably guarantee that she was sexually assaulted. You can probably guarantee that the flogging that Lori is now enduring is identical. Why would to, it have to be sexual? Uh it seemed like it's like the possess the possessiveness the 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 it seems like that's what this movie is going for. I don't know. I didn't catch a really sexual vibe off of any of it. Not her. Like not the action. Like there's nothing sexual going on with the the flogging. That's not what I'm getting at. Yeah. I'm assuming sexual abuse happened. Because that's the only thing that would make somebody this crazy. No. Okay. Why? Why would I think that? 
I just, I, I didn't see, I, I thought sexual abuse. I didn't get any like flavor of sexual abuse. It seemed, it, it was the fact that it's like, you're wearing a thing, you're my property. It seems to like connotate sexual possession to okay. me. That's why. Okay. And I no just didn't, reason. I just didn't get any, like a hair of that from this film at all. Even like when she was reading the diary. Well, or that's, that's like, like the, 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 the black, it's like, to me, like that's, it seems like, I don't know. It seemed like at a very remedial reading level, but whatever. It seemed to me that if they would have said that she was like raped, they would have said she was raped. But this is a diary of coming from a kid who has no idea what's going on in the basement. Okay. I just didn't assume that there was any like rape. I didn't assume that she'd be raped. Whatever. So when, when terrible things are happening to this person, now she is at the very least duplicating some of the things that has happened to her. Because it seems like this is where she would have gotten it all from. Or like a boarding home school situation, whipping, flogging is like a very go-to sort of punishment. Mm-hmm. The strap, whipping, stuff like that. Okay. So, yeah. So, the uh, Tiffany at, at some point kills the person doing this to her. Thank God. And when she is carted away for murder, the, the, the kids called her teasingly the blood widow. Which I don't know if it's like, like, I don't know why you would tease someone who is, who's like, who's committed murder. Or and, tease somebody who was abused to the point that they committed murder. Yeah. I don't understand it either. And I don't know how these children would have come up with Blood Widow as a nickname. All like, sure, he gave her a ring, which it's just so weak. It's just so, so weak. But for kids to make that intellectual leap seems beyond their years to call her the Blood Widow. Mm-hmm. just really weird nickname to me it sounds cool like i'm not saying it doesn't sound cool and i'm not saying like there's not i like this character i just the explanation as to how her name came about is just doesn't really gel with me like the naming of the character yeah oh i just wanted to be cooler the same way that you wanted tony todd's Candyman origin to be a little cooler to be fair i thought that origin was pretty cool when i was a kid but then <laughs> As an adult, I was like, oh, yeah, I was like, this is stupid. Mm-hmm. When I feel like there's room, there's wiggle room to grow there. I think that you could easily throw out a lot of it because a lot of it is coming secondhand. The Mrs. Wilson, who doesn't really even seem to give the proper information, like the base proper information. She makes it seem like there was a sick girl there that, and someone died and it was a family home. Yeah. Then the second thing that you get is a, is spotty journal entries by probably an 11-year-old girl or something like that uh, who has no earthly idea about what's going on. So uh, like in in a sequel, you could... You could you could you could just throw that all out and be like, oh. Yeah, you could really go anywhere with yeah. her origin. And the best real like facts we get about what happened to her is what she reenacts on Lori with this whip and stuff like that and putting her in like this little closet and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Like she was probably put in a closet. Yeah. Like going in the no no closet. Well, if she was left left in the basement and tortured in the basement, she'd probably spend a lot of time in like isolation like that kept mm-hmm. from the other kids and treated however by this guy so that is the closest thing we get to actual facts if that's what she's doing is reenacting what she had gone through well now that hugh and kenneth are awake kenneth just literally went to sleep <laughs> <laughs> i'd like to think he was scared to sleep he went to he went into shock he went to well no he just went to bed well then you know I, and it's not 
part of this is not like a spoiler this is not this does not happen kenneth is not in on it but if kenneth wasn't on it hmm. he would have been sleeping there to guard the body of hugh until hugh woke up he could have just killed hugh too yeah well maybe killing's not his business maybe, yeah, maybe he's, he's like kind of guy maybe he's like i don't do any of the wet work that's for my sister the blood hotel <laughs> see this is an awesome story yes yeah. Yeah, we need a Blood Widow comic stat. Oh my god, I would fucking love that. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I want Kenneth to be a brother. Totally. Holy I shit. Love him. Kenneth is back much. with a robot leg. Make like a Sebastian Michaelis. Mm. Please and thank you. So. Robot arm? Because he lost his leg. He's got a robot leg. Oh, I, I heard robot arm and I was like. Mm. No, robot. Robot leg. You might need a robot. So now, throughout this entire fucking movie, we've been talking about this fucking crossbow. Morning, noon, and night, I got a crossbow. What if we got to shoot a bear? Where's my crossbow? Here's the killer. Where's my crossbow? I put your crossbow where no one can get hurt. Yeah. Where's my crossbow? Now. I'm going to kill this motherfucker. It's true. Fucking Hugh is out for blood. He's fucking taking his big old brass balls and hanging them outside his shorts today. Because he has got his fucking, he's looking for his crossbow. He is convinced Kenneth. He's just looking even more fucking masculine than I've ever seen. He's wearing a tank top. I can see fucking skin. I'm getting a little aroused. Speaking of getting a little aroused, just for listeners that have no intention of watching this or are maybe like thinking of watching this, uh, it's not like a Daryl from The Walking Dead kind of crossbow. No, no, no. It's a, it's a little, it's a little hand one. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a handheld crossbow. It, it shoots bolts. They're yeah. very lethal. Don't get me wrong. You can fuck people up pretty bad with this. You can definitely kill people. Mm-hmm. You can definitely, you could probably kill a deer if you're a really good shot. Mm-hmm. You would not be able to fucking dummy a moose. It's yeah, going to do nothing but make a bear angry. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't imagine the look on his face if he were to shoot a bear with that fucking crossbow. The absolute sheer horror as that bear kept fucking coming towards him. Yeah. Because <laughs> it barely got through its fucking flesh. Mm-hmm. It's not the sort of thing. If you have super sharp bolts in it and stuff like that, you might be able to put it through like a, a tree. That's maybe like eight inches around. You might be able to shoot through that sort of tree, but it's not got a lot of stopping power. Fuck no. You have to be a pretty good aim to kill somebody with this crossbow. It's not a this fucking is, walking dead crossbow. This is the crossbow that this motherfucker bought at a flea market. That he And like, it seems to be like the weapon of choice. Like, I need my crossbow. We keep going back to the crossbow. I, I was like, man, you know, honestly, you could use anything to dummy that chick. Like, you could fucking... You, you got a hammer. You got a, one of those two by fours that you put on the... Kenneth has a hammer. Kenneth has a hammer. So they go to the house and, and here we go. We're going to friggin' Lori's in the closet. Her legs have been torn up to shit from that uh, the flogging that she got. Mm-hmm. And now, now it's a go time. And, and this is where the movie started to show me something a little different where I was like, oh, we're not doing this movie. Because I thought, okay, we're going to probably, knowing how this movie is treating its body counts and shit like that. I was like, probably one of these guys will die, but probably one of them will live. Maybe surprisingly Kenneth, if he's not in on it, which he's not. Just run into the trees, arms flailing. (laughs) Not before the Wilsons show up. And uh, because we forgot that they were coming in the AM to help the kids with the house. And they show up and man, one of them just gets completely decapitated again. 
with uh, with uh, the Blood Widow's Cutlass, which seems to be her favorite weapon up until this point. She has a sickle that she uses as a secondary weapon, but this the Cutlass is definitely the main thing. And what I mean by that, it's like a machete with a curve on it. It actually, I'm positive it is, and I'm not really sure, but I'm pretty sure it's a Kikiri blade, which is a ceremonial blade that you're supposed to... Um draw blood with every time you draw it you aren't supposed to unsheath it unless it is to draw blood and you can't sheath it again until it has drawn blood i think that's what it is it's a very well used one it's not a very nice clean ceremonial dagger by any means at all where do you think she got that nepal like so she's blood would have went to nepal swear to fucking god that's where they're from but she could have found it it looks mm. pretty old you know what i mean like it's she true. takes care of it and keeps it sharp maybe too sharp because she buries it in this uh, Mrs. Wilson's head and it breaks off. Yeah. She looks at it pretty, like, you can see it's like, oh. My favorite knife. It was it's her favorite the only knife. really emoting she does. Yeah. Seems pretty, well, there's one more scene at the tail end where I see emotion coming through that performance. So, when we're back to the boys and fucking, <laughs> he's got his fucking weapon arm up and he's ready to beat ass. No, he's not. He, literally gets his fucking arm cut off and then when kenneth runs again away he's like go get laurie or whatever the fuck she takes that fucking whip and just completely hooks his entire face and pulls it out we get a bit of a sound effect and then he drops to the ground and we see his face is like completely mangled and he's done and i'm like oh Okay. Yeah. Is this, is, I'm like, bodies are dropping pretty rapidly here. Yeah. And I was like, we're running out of characters. Yeah. And and I was like, oh, I thought this guy was going to like try to put up a fight. He didn't put up a fight at all. The, like, And I want to say like, even when characters are aware that the Blood Widow is around, she is not like they, like they, she gets to drop on everybody. Yeah. Complete drop on anybody. Now, when Kenneth tries to run away, he hilariously... Breaks his leg in the same hole that he made earlier. Which is definitely hilarious and very, very good writing. The sort of like callbacks to the beginning of the film or mm-hmm. callbacks to just the previous deaths where he breaks his leg off in the hole that he made and later like having hands cut off and poor Laurie having to deal with other people's severed hands. It's kind of hilarious. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. good. This is where like the good writing and this is sort of the watershed moment where Kenneth gets his ankle busted. Everything up until this point is like kind of okay. And if you didn't watch it beyond Kenneth getting his ankle busted, you might have a whole different idea of how good or bad this movie is. Mm-hmm. You might be firmly sold in the idea that this is a bad movie up mm-hmm. until this ankle breakage. And from the ankle breakage on, if you had only watched from the ankle breakage on, you would have definitely made up a whole different beginning that was a fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. It really improves dramatically. We've already been talking about how much better it is and how much more we like it. Not just because kills started. We're not that easy. Yeah. But it definitely has. The acting has somewhat improved. The fact that there's killing going on is an improvement in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the settings we've been introduced to are a vast improvement. The basement set looks amazing. Yeah, and that's just an organic improvement. That's nothing to do with anyone's skill level. Mm-hmm. It's just we've gone into a setting that really makes this film far more interesting. Um, but now from this ankle breakage on, it's great. Mm-hmm. This is what really sold you, sold you, I take it. 
it is what sold me. I, up until this point, the, the, the death of Hugh was the moment where now you have my attention. Yeah, yeah. Because I didn't think we were doing this. Mm-hmm. And as this commotion is going on, Laurie uses this as an opportunity to escape because uh, she breaks uh, what she was tied to. Yeah, there's like a, a bar in this closet that she's loosened from the ground, mm-hmm. over the ground, from the floor. The floorboards have come up and she's mm-hmm. dropped down below. You would assume that this was the same closet that maybe the Blood Widow was put into because why would that bar be in there if not to tie someone to it, mm-hmm. right? So that could be, you know, part of it. Yeah, it's not a functional bar in a closet yeah. up top. It's a vertical pole. Yeah. It's so a I was pole like, dancer's pole. Yeah, I was like, so why would that be in there if not to tie somebody in there? So either the blood widow put it in there to specifically put something in the closet or the blood widow was put in that closet as a girl. We're not sure. Uh, this is all speculation. Yeah. Um, I, I wish it wasn't speculation. I wish we had more background, but we'll get to that. Now, when Lori breaks free, she goes underneath the house. And this starts what I say is the best sequences in this entire fucking movie. This is a wonderful, wonderfully shot, uh, wonderfully um, acted cat and mouse scene. You get to see our what is now by default our final girl crawling on her hands and knees in the dirt, in the gunk, and she is underneath this fucking house while the blood widow, I mean, she knows that there's a hole in that floor, pokes her head down, looks a little cartoony, but it still works. And now you have um, the blood widow underneath the floor. It's how fast she fucking moves. And this is the only person left alive. And we know it. We've got yeah. a little bit of time left if we were watching the clock. But we're enraptured enough and interested enough that we're not watching the clock. Because this is done very, very well. And it's very, very interesting. Um, one of the other, like, just after the watershed moment where Kenneth gets killed, there's this scene that I swear to God is accidental where he gets killed, ultimately killed. And it's shot through like a blurry sort of lens. It's the only like different lens that they use mm-hmm. in this entire thing. And I thought that they were going to start getting a little more music video-y here mm-hmm. or something. But they stay with this really like well-lit technique. They do use the lighting, limited lighting underneath the house really, really well. And I like this whole like crawling around scene. It looks kind of awkward because anyone crawling around on their elbows under a house is going to look kind of awkward but our blood widow pulls it off and still manages to look cool like i it's like it's the way she shot from that that front angle and then also we see a couple of profile shots when Lori kind of gets around a little bit of a corner she sees her brother's maggot covered face it's not maggots it looks like mealworms to me but i think it's supposed to be like maggots or something Cover- you squint your eyes and wish <laughs> magnets uh, maggots yeah um but uh, I, I get what they're going for. Again, if we had known before we watched those extra clips that that was her brother, that would have been a more powerful moment. Oh, but, big time. But we don't know that. We see uh, when Lori gets around the corner, the blood was she's zipping all over the place. Like she's not moving like she's a fucking xenomorph, but she's moving pretty damn quick. And and this is where the op- the, the idea that how small the blood the blood widow is, how like how slight her frame is, and how she perfectly can move through this shit she's probably had to fucking do it before that's one thing that got into my mind here is like okay is this like she's done this before uh how come there's no other holes or blood or like evidence of other people having been tied up and tortured and killed by her in this house maybe she cleans in her off time i don't know Mm -hmm. but then i'm like maybe this is her first time that she's ever really like shattered mentally and pulled this shit 
I wonder, like, I really, really wonder. And this makes me want to see a part two of this so, so very badly. Because uh, it might answer that sort of question. Who knows what sure. direction they'll take we're, it. We're not sure how old the Blood Widow is. Or how long she's been here alone. Mm -hmm. And if she's killed anyone like this before. If anyone has invaded her space before. This many people have invaded her space before. Mm -hmm. She could have killed hundreds of people every fucking weekend. Yeah. Or she. this could be the first, very first time that she's ever had to do anything like this. Mm -hmm. She seems very set up for it, though. She got like her outfit and everything. Or do you think like she was just, this is my outfit for me. This is my walking around the house outfit. And I don't care how weird it looks. This is just makes me happy. Could be just in case, you know, like those mm -hmm. guys that have arsenals of guns in their basements, just in case, just in case, mm -hmm. you know, they never actually shot anybody. If anyone were to trespass, they would shoot them. But just in case they've got 75 guns. Yeah. Just in case the world goes to shit. Yeah. Just in case. Maybe it's all just in case. I look this fucking cool every day. Just in case. Like I put on makeup to record a fucking podcast. Just in case. <laughs> she really does, guys. One of these days, I'll put a camera up. No. God, Oh, no. my God. The twisted reaction. I mean, just that. in case I need to answer the door. Not just in case somebody sees me, you know, like a camera or something. That I have to just... put on pants for the podcast. I'm not ready for that yet. I like looking at the microphone when I address the viewers. I don't want to have to look at a camera, too. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's how I was taught in radio. It's like you look at the microphone as if it's a person and talk to the microphone. Like, hello, microphone. Anyways, um, this fucking cat and mouse scene ends with Lori finding her way through a very soiled grate back into the basement. The set piece of our film. It looks like it's been worked over. You, you had suggested, and it's not unreasonable to suggest, that they could have been lucky enough to find it. But I think like... Just the level of dirt and grime on everything seems a little bit too uh, perfect perfect for me. Yeah. And yeah. and honestly, like this room just made me wish. It's like I wish the whole movie had this aesthetic because this has I mean, it's almost like it's it's like the same aesthetic that like some of the rooms in the Saw movies yeah, have. Yeah, something out of Saw, Silent Hill, something yeah, like that. Yeah, Silent Hill, like, like something like that. It's it, grimy and unnerving and it scares you a little just to and if it, you ever found yourself. And in it that. makes the production of this movie Look like they like so. This is about a sixty thousand dollar film. This looks like it was a couple of million in this one scene. And if a whole movie had this aesthetic, I'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, they spent some money on this. It looks fucking good. Um, so as she's trying to block the blood widow out, the blood the, the blood widow eventually uh, gives up trying to go through the grate. She um, grabs an axe or like like heads upstairs and she's gonna get the fuck out of there. Oh fuck! You're not gonna get away from her. This is her house. Yeah. She knows every nook and cranny. She's already waiting for you. She pushes you back. Man, Lori hits that fucking floor hard. Her skull thunks like in an yeah. unnerving, unsettling way where you're pretty sure she's cracked her skull. Oh, yeah. She looks super hurt. The wind's completely knocked out of her. She rallies to her feet and she manages to grab an axe. And this is the second time when a character has armed themselves. Where you think, okay, they're on equal footing with the Blood Widow. Blood Widow's got a sickle. She's got an axe. Just like you thought, Hugh, all right, well, he's got his mythical fucking crossbow that he's been looking for this whole fucking movie that he finally has. Yeah. Like, it's the Legend of Zelda. And it's like, take this. It's dangerous. Now, Lori is so pissed. She is full of fucking hate for the Blood Widow now. Everyone yeah. she knows is dead. Her boyfriend is dead. She has been mistreated severely mistreated mm -hmm. she just wants to fuck out and you really think that she has that drive mm -hmm. to succeed that she maybe won't kill 
the the blood widow, but she'll get the fuck away from her. You're pretty mm-hmm. fucking convinced of that, which is an, an, an considering the beginning of this film, it would it would be too much to ask of mm-hmm. this film, considering from the time that I consider the bloodshed, the, the watershed moment, it's just a brilliant thing that you've gone from disliking this character, not believing this character, not believing anyone now could even beat the blood widow, to being sort of sold on like, I don't know how this is going to go. Mm-hmm. I love this. And also with the Laurie character, amazing work right here, going from somebody whose face I couldn't stand and who didn't have one decent line of dialogue and didn't deliver any of the decent ones passably up until this point. You would point out she's this is what she does as an actress. This is her like what she must be good at. Yeah. She's a physical actress. She emotes with her body language. She emotes with her facial expressions. When you give her dialogue, it just sort of all falls yeah. apart. And again, like it, like I get it. Like as an actor, you, you, you sometimes sometimes it's the script. But in this instance, I don't think it's the script. Like sometimes the script's I script's not bad. It's it's like look, believe me, like there's uninspired points of the script. I get that, uh, and some of the lines are done. But like I have seen, like like uh, like someone, you can make those lines sing. I know you can. Yeah, and it's it was storyboarded, so they're not going anchorless and having too much asked of them as an actor, scene by scene. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She she um knows the blood widow was this girl tiffany she definitely knows it's a woman she calls her she screeches out that she's a bitch crazy bitch crazy bitch yeah. and i'm gonna like fucking fight you and it's the first time that she's being like addressed as a female as a female uh, even though it's uh, as a bitch now but she's acting kind of bitchy i guess but like she um the blood widow just fucking completely I'm not going to say disarms her, but renders the axe useless. Yeah. Be, like, and, and, and like I said, this is the second time a character has armed themselves like they're ready, like they're hellbent for leather and they're going to like fuck the place up. But the, like, and the Blood Widow literally disarms Hugh, figuratively disarms Lori by cutting off the, 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 the business the end yeah. of the axe and then just sort of like slowly shaking her head like, you're not, you're not, you're not going to win this. Yeah. No. And that's the kind of look. And that's one of the few, like, lines, quote unquote, we get out of the Blood mm-hmm. Widow. She doesn't really do much. That's true. Other than give her, give Lori a look like. Yeah. She, like, like aside from, like, that, like, that, uh, 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 yeah. like, head motion that she does, the head tilting, that's her emoting, her being upset that her weapon got broken in that woman's skull, um, her, like, playing with the, the whip to demonstrate that. This is more than just a whip. It's a very dangerous whip. Her taking photos, her um, sending those photos like a bad boyfriend, like it's uh, like sending photos, like like sexy, fo- sexy photos of your girl. Jesus, Wes. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. But like, and, and that's what like rallies Hugh because he knows, uh, Kenneth has just said like, well, she's definitely dead. She fell out of a second story window. I didn't see her die, but I'm assuming she's dead. Yeah. And so we have to get out of here. Then they send like, look, we have her captive and yeah. she's uh, being yeah. beat up and stuff. So if you want to come get her. Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't like, recognize the camera. Yeah, yeah. Kenneth recognizes the camera, but she doesn't. Yeah. Her friend recognizes her brother's camera. Her brother's camera. Who a friend who she doesn't even really seem to like. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, um, in this confrontation, this is where this movie has jumped into one of my favorite endings of all time, and it's not like it's so startling, startlingly original. Even though 
I'm reeling to find a slasher movie that ends quite this way. If you guys don't want to know, uh, pause the recording, I guess, because I'm going to talk the shit out of this fucking If you're using ending. Stitcher, just hit the 30-second skip ahead button maybe five times. Five times. So what ends up happening is the Blood Widow. So she manages to beat the Blood Widow, beat her in the head a couple of times with just the, the handle of the axe. It's a big piece of wood. You yeah. do some damage with that. Yeah. Cracks the Blood Widow's mask. You don't see her face. Interesting complaint that I heard from comments online because I, if you fucking go to comments online in this movie, you think it's like the worst thing ever. But like, uh, but one of the complaints that I read was like, you don't even get to see your face at the end of the movie like that. And I was like, you are so trained to see movies in a certain way where if you see a masked character, they have to be unmasked. That's yeah. not how it, I'm glad that they don't unmask her. It's, it's not necessary you don't need to like one of the things that I, it's enough to show flesh underneath that mask at this rate because we've yeah. seen none of that mm-hmm. every single inch of her body is covered so mm-hmm. to know that she's at least flesh underneath there yeah it's like you don't know if she's old you don't know if she's young you don't know where she comes from yeah. you don't know anything about this girl and you see a little tiny lock of hair on the cover you get to see quite a bit of hair but no, when you watch the film, like her hair is covered for the mm-hmm. entire it's, thing. It's a lock, and, and you see her 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 uh, skin. You, you can see say, her bleeding. See her bleeding. It's like hmm. She's like from from the tautness of her cheek. She's probably not that old, yeah. but at the same time, you don't know, and it adds this air of mystery, and that's good. That's good. A mystery is a good thing, guys. You don't need it fucking spoon fed to you all the time. Especially like the, what the character looks like is irrelevant because what you need to know is that Tiffany has been reborn as the Blood Widow and who she was previously at this point is at least irrelevant to her because she has completely transformed herself into what the children had mockingly called her. She has turned their teasing into her power. That's what you need to know. So when you so you have um, Lori go upstairs, but what's upstairs? That fucking crossbow again. And I'm like, this must be like a silver bullet to people because they just like, I need the crossbow. I was like, just keep hitting her with the stick, dummy. Yeah. Or you know what? At this point, you're kind of safe to run away. Yeah. She's just run. She's hurt, man. Yeah. She's like, I, she's not- everyone you know is dead. Everyone you know is dead. And your killer is just incapacitated. Yeah. At least temporarily. Fucking run. She takes the crossbow, very shakily, comes back downstairs like she's going to do it. Well, she also just had to remove her dead boyfriend's hand off of it, which is hilarious because she's been dealing with severed hands like for hours now. Yeah, I know. But, you know, she's just like, oh, no, that hand, that hand used to do stuff to me. Now I'm sad, I guess. But I guess it would be like that trepidation of like she has surprised us over and over and over again at this rate. What if she just pops up, you know, Michael Myers star. Yeah, Michael Myers star, which is completely uh, reasonable. Now, and again, nothing, nothing. The Blood Widow springs up, instantaneously disarms her, and then takes the very axe handle and just fucking beats this girl to my surprise, my utter, where my jaw was on the floor shocked and i had to text you instantaneously (laughs) about it she beats Lori to death like really to death and it goes on quite some time and the foley work is really well done i'm always looking out for that when it comes to bludgeoning it's 
of an extremely well done scene and it gets they use a, a, a multitude of camera angles mm-hmm. it's a little bit of a, of a it's not necessarily a montage no smash cuts smash cuts it's like it's almost like a hip-hop montage in a, in a way and they're playing with the angles so you can tell that she's like gleefully and maddeningly beating this girl to a pulp and taking out all of her aggressions on her. because and this is where i'm thinking Lori has probably given her more trouble than she's used to we've seen her she walks up to people and cuts her heads off yeah she cuts her hand off if you have a weapon like... yeah she 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 can she can she has she will kill multiple armed people in a room she is completely able to do that she can overpower men and women alike it does makes no difference to you half the time you won't even fucking see her coming and in this instance Lori damaged her damaged her mask which she probably likes and in that moment she is definitely fucking mad and the the blood splatter on her white mask fuck it looks amazing it does and and the scene is muted. It's not dry, but it's muted. And, and and it's crazy because in my head, I'm like, my brain is thinking, well, this is the final girl. She's not going to die. So how is she getting out of this? And every time the blood widow hit her and Lori got more and more damaged. Even though she was trying at first to get back up and she was putting up a really good fight. And you knew you were convinced only a moment ago that she was going to do whatever it took to get the fuck out of this alive. Yeah. And and I was like every time she hit her, I was like she got a little bit more hurt and then and then she's like coughing up buckets of blood. I'm like, "Ooh, that's some internal that's a lot of internal injury right there." Yeah. But then she keeps getting cracked in the head and I'm like, "Is the blood widow going to stop or are we in for like cuz again, like I was like the movie is not that long and I didn't know the full runtime. So I was thinking, "Okay, are we going to have like a pause?" more torture more tying up for whatever fucking reason more photo taking more photo taking are we are we doing something like this uh which is a way to go will she reach over to the mythical crossbow and pull the bolt out of it yeah in the neck yeah will there be like a last minute a last ditch effort is her is her boyfriend armless and and like face fucked up is he not dead yet what what's gonna happen kenneth kenneth (laughs) you're you're back um what ends up like the blood widow stands up and in an emotion of just like fucking finally and and at this point i literally was leaning forward in my chair just like no no they're not doing this are they smiling broadly and curled in a ball and 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 the blood widow fucking just walks up those steps and just fucking slams the the door this the basement door shut and I'm like, no way. Credits. Yeah. Wow. You really like this. I, I, I'm so <laughs> fucking impressed. I really liked it. And I really liked how this went. I actually got interested in these fucking characters as they were dying after like shunning them. I was so fucking impressed by the mm. end of this film. So fucking impressed by the build up to this killer is unstoppable like we just dealt with shang our friend shang from dream home mm-hmm. who was just as ruthless who was just as cold oh yeah oh, um yeah. with the added benefit of dialogue and facial expressions and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh, and a, a huge backstory that was built over half of the film mm-hmm, mm-hmm, we got mm-hmm. none of that but we end up in the exact same spot yeah the really in 10 minutes though because you can't count the whole beginning of the fucking film. You can't, unfortunately. And I think, like, this is one of those examples about, like, this is what we talk about when we say, 
um, sometimes you take a chance on a movie and sometimes it's a tough set, but then sometimes you're reminded about why you take those chances with these films for moments like this, this, and, and then you, I didn't even know this until a little while ago, like maybe a few days ago, you, you would sent me a text message or something about them doing a sequel to this flick. And then I got instantaneously happy. Yeah. I've added it to my watch list on the internet movie database and everything. So I really hope they actually do make it. I'm, yeah, I'm, it's being made. I'm really, really excited because uh, the the brief synopsis of the movie is that we are um, the blood widow was drawn out of her dark dwelling, and 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 to to I don't know to get with someone like to to get with someone not to get go on a sexy date and her Michael Myers finally. Do you think they'd be a cute couple? Well, fuck yeah, totally. They can go and hang out in the hospital or something. I went on a date to walk around an ICU ward once. You know, I thought it was pretty cool. Did you really? Yeah. That's what they could do. I think that would be cool. Put Michael Myers back into my favorite setting for him and get her out a little bit. She's been at home way too much. Is there like a Tinder app for slashers only? No. I think they would make a really cute couple. They both got the mask thing going on. Yeah. You think Blood Widow's sitting there seeing Michael Myers and like, oh, super like. Yeah. Totally. He has a big knife. He does have a big knife. Yeah. She likes knives. Maybe he would be like, I like your knives too. You think that's what they would do? They're like, let's go knife shopping or let's compare knives. Or um, let's go kill teenagers in a park? Yeah. yeah. That's their first date, right? Go kill teenagers in a park. I think that would be enchanting. And it would, I just want her to get out a little bit. Because when she closed that door, I think she just sort of like went and sat upstairs. And that's what sort of led me to believe that she hadn't done this before. Because it's sort of like, you know. Like Shang had not done this before. And so did did a lot of it seem like prep to you? And it seems so like, wow, I didn't know that strangling people would be so hard. You know, or like, I didn't know that beating somebody to death would take that long. She definitely seemed tired. Because as she was walking upstairs, there was this moment. I don't know if it was intentional, if it was scripted, like, show you're tired. But but the Blood Widow takes, like, actually, when she's going upstairs, she uses her hand. To, to steady yourself, which to yeah. steady yourself. This yeah. ninja who clings to the sides of walls and cuts people's arms and half. fucking moves like this unearthly yeah. cat-like stealth. Yeah, all that adrenaline just washed away, and mm-hmm. she was left as a an exhausted lady. Mm-hmm. So that's what led me to believe mostly that maybe she hadn't done this before. It's possible she doesn't just doesn't just melt into the shadows and wait for the next person like a fucking spider. I would say, like, I would think that she's probably, I mean, she's killed before. She definitely, she killed her uh, abuser. But uh, I would I would say that maybe one or two, but, like, the body count, like, the, the, the last couple of days, she's killed a lot of people. Yeah, it's true. It is definitely true. I think that was just what she needed to do. I can't wait for a sequel to this. And it, honestly, for all the little things that we've thrown out, I don't care where they take it. I yeah. really don't. So long as they remain at that skill level, if not beyond, sure, beyond would be nice. But like, just the last like ten minutes of this film were just done so fucking well, mm-hmm. and written so well, shot so well, acted so well. Like everything was just so amazingly it's crazy. good. It's crazy how night and day the beginning and the end of this movie. Oh, completely, is. completely, yeah. I don't care where they take a sequel. I just want them to make one. Mm-hmm. It made me really interesting. And it really reminded me of the first time I watched um, Laid to Rest. 
And when I first watched the first Late to Rest movie, I was like, oh, my God. There was a lot of things I liked in it, but there was things that I couldn't – like one of the main things I didn't like about it was the final girl. I didn't like the actress playing that character. Yeah. And and so I was annoyed with a lot of it. But then when they made Chrome Skull Late to Rest 2, I, in my estimation, that's a better movie because they fixed the acting problems. They uh, the, they really fleshed out the the that slasher's background. So you're like, oh man, that's kind of interesting. And so and, and I was like, that's a definite 100% improvement. And I'm expecting as much as I think Late to Rest is pretty good and it's all right and I like it. Like it's a good slasher. I would I would have no problem recommending to that. But Late to Rest too. Oh my god, do I love that movie? I think the same thing is going to happen with me to this. As much as I fucking love Blood Widow. I certainly don't like all of it. You guys have heard me bitching about this movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and rightfully so. We're not just being assholes. Honest to fucking yeah. God. Watch it yourself. Like, go rent it on Vimeo. Like, yeah. Really, truly. Go to Midnight Releasing Site. Check it out. Go find it on fucking Amazon or whatever you need to do. I, like, I highly do recommend this film. And normally when it comes to films where I'm kind of like, meh, you know, like, even Hayride. I really liked Hayride. I liked Hayride as much as I liked Houses of October. But I'm not like, everyone should go watch Hayride. Because mm-hmm. I understand these things cost money. Um but I think it's well worth it. Whatever you're going to pay for the rental or purchase of this, it's well worth it for the last 10 minutes. And I've never said that about a fucking movie before. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. 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 And it's not even like over the top and unique. They don't really do anything that hasn't been done before. And it's not mm-hmm. that it's a pastiche of things that are great either. It's just that the way that they do it and the way that this killer presents herself. Yeah. It's just good. It's just fucking good. And sometimes that's rare, especially when we're like deluded by these blockbuster horrors and a lot of B grade that really isn't good, but people watch it to support it. It's not even a case of watching it to support it when you rent something like this. Mm-hmm. It's because the end is that fucking good and it gives me a glimpse into what the second part could entail. Mm-hmm. And supporting them now only future reinforces yeah. that. Because look, I'm just like, you know, you're out for your first try. There's some rough spots. There are some definite rough spots. Yeah. So take what worked and let's go forward with that. You have a fucking golden opportunity with this character. Yeah. And, and hopefully they started filming the next weekend. Yeah. And it's already in the can. You know what yeah. I mean? And like we're just, really do and, and we're just waiting. And yeah. I'm it's like it's like Christmas. It's gonna just come <laughs> and I'm gonna be fucking believe me, to the people listening who made this movie, and I know you're listening. Because uh, I'm sending you a link to this. Because I'm sending you a link to this on Twitter. No, oh my God, are you kidding me? I would be so. I, I wouldn't want them to think like. I would. I would Dude, you read the comments online. I have not because yeah. I really, really approached this in the 1980s ethos of West lent me this movie that we both saw at the video store. You know, like I haven't <laughs> read them, but you have, and you yeah. have said it's scathing. Oh my so God. I'm sure, like. Just like this film, there's a point to listen to all of our bullshit. When you get to the end, it's pretty awesome what we have to say about this movie. Yeah. So. And and I'll tell you this much. My point being is I'm buying Blood Widow 2 the day it comes out. Oh, totally. And, you know, there are other reviews online that I've only really read headlines and like one or two of them. Mm-hmm. Um in brief because i didn't want to spoil Mm -hmm. this whatsoever certainly Mm -hmm. not by reading comments um and i didn't even look at like hollywood reporter or variety or like look for any mainstream reviews if they would have accidentally reviewed this um but there are other reviewers out there that 
share our sentiment. Yeah. 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 Like that tagline that we that we read or, or you read like a birth horror. A birth of a slasher icon. Birth of a slasher icon. I would love that. I would love Blood Widow to get in there with the the aughts and the late 2000 uh, slasher pantheon. I'd like I'd love that, um, you know, up there with uh, Crowley and fucking Chrome Skull and Blood Widow. Why not? Yeah. Right. Totally. Yeah. Into it. What do we got next for him? Up next, we have The Gate. It is a fan request. It is a fan Thank request. Thank you very much. And I'm looking forward to it, even if it's back in the 80s, but I haven't watched it since it came out. I'll tell you this much. I'm... Oh, no, wait. I did rewatch it once, but I I had that like sort of like, oh, it was funny. It wasn't as scary as I thought it was when I was a kid. It was funny. Mm-hmm. So maybe we're in for a laugh, which I know you hate. Oh, yeah, I do. But... um. <laughs> Well, we're also going to watch House. Yeah. Yeah. Is that right after the gate? Because after the gate, we're in August, just to let you know. Getting close to Kudo time. House struck me as funny when I first watched it, so at least I'm not in for a surprise. I just worry that the gate won't have held up, but... We'll find out. And if you guys ever want to get a request in or ask us uh, something, a discussion point for the episodes, uh, you can tweet me at Wes Knight on Twitter and uh, you can get us to those questions. You can ask us on our Facebook page, splatter pictures slash dead air podcast. Or you can go to splatterpictures.net and put a comment after the episode or whatever. Mm-hmm. However you, wherever you hang out online. Mm-hmm, it's true. I got a fucking us. comment on a horrormovies.ca article that I had written recently where I had given son of Frankenstein three and a half out of five stars. And Somebody left me a lengthy, a lengthy complaint about not a complaint. It was very mild, but he basically he can he accused me of not giving an actor enough credit for one of the roles. And then he had suggested that wouldn't it be funny if Young Frankenstein was actually a sequel to Son of Frankenstein, which in a lot of ways it could be viewed as that because there's a lot of elements of those two films. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and this was an article that I had written. I checked the date. It was two thousand and. 12 when i wrote this fucking review i didn't even remember writing it yeah but i like to uh, during the month of october and this was the month of october in 2012 i like to do um old universal movies but i always like to do not the obvious ones such like son of frankenstein dracula's daughter those types of movies and 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 then there was two comments above that and most of the people was like yeah fair review fair review one motherfucker at the very top of this thing he wrote that he said, I was going to yell at you for only giving this movie three and a half out of five stars. By the way, that's not bad. No, it's not. Second of all, but he's like, but then I remembered that this movie is still going to be a classic long after you are dead and burning in hell. Oh, and burning in hell. <laughs> well, five stars on that review, sir. You really took that somewhere I didn't expect. What the fuck? I don't. It's got to be one star or five stars. It's crazy. I, and this I is... rate books on Goodreads all the fucking time, and I give it really, really honestly. And sometimes I feel kind of bad because I'm like, they've had a five star winning streak up until now because all their friends have been voting on it, and I give them like four, three stars. This is why I told her three to five is good. That I that every time I wrote a review and I didn't put a stupid fucking whatever out of five rating, yeah. he would come correct and say oh, you know, you forgot to do this. And so I'd have to fucking like, and believe me, it's arbitrary, guys. Mm-hmm. It's fucking arbitrary. Do you think like, 
no rational person sits there seriously with a stupid fucking out of five rating and goes like, oh, no, I've actually heard. And it's pretty simple. There was this um, one of the reviewers on the horror news radio podcast is sort of like, you know what? If the lighting and sound doesn't annoy me, that wins you a start. Mm-hmm. If I am interested in the storyline and I feel that it's written competently, it doesn't need to be stellar. It just needs to be, you know, followable and have decent, believable dialogue. You get a second star. If And then he's got these ifs. It's just all if statements up until five. You know what I mean? Like, it's, And it's it's that simple. It's crazy to me because, like, I never thought that way. And that's how come, like, I never put, like... Number of even back in college when I had my my movie show talking pictures, I never said I never gave a number rating to anything. I just said, yeah, check it. I said this is worth your time, or I'd say this is not worth your time. Yeah. So, but like this, these some of these fans are so fucking crazy. And I was like, you know why this got three and a half out of fucking uh, five stars? You know why? Why? Because it's the third. In the Karloff trilogy of Frankenstein movies, it is undeniably the worst one because you have character progression from movies one and two. And in the, in the third fucking movie, Karloff goes back to grunts and groans and being a fucking glorified stuntman. So the second you handcuff one of the best actors of that era and take away all character progression from Bride of Frankenstein, which woolly-haired academics claim is the greatest gothic horror of all time, even though that has fucking goofy-ass shit in it. I'm looking at you, Dr. Pretorius, with your fucking mermaid. Like, then don't, like, tell me that, like, it's unfair to not give this, what, a perfect score? No. On the technicality alone of the loss of character progression and wasting an actor who never came back to that role because of that shit. Three and a half out of five. You burn in hell. <laughs> now it sounds arbitrary after that huge fucking rant, which would have made a really good response to the guy that wants to burn you in hell. He wrote that, he wrote that message equally in 2012, so I figured it's kind of pointless to... <laughs> it is. There's lazy of you to have not read it. You don't follow up on your own fans. What kind of fucking star A-list movie reviewer are you with? I was a different man. Yeah. 2012, I can't fucking accommodate for that. Baby, yeah. I was still in my 20s. I was well, like, I was, like, in my mid-20s, late-20s. No, shit. I'm uh, Anyway. (laughs) I'd listened to a really similar conversation on another podcast, because I don't actually talk to real people. I mostly just (laughs) listen to fucking podcasts. And even if I, the people I talk to have fucking podcasts, honestly, because you can't, Wes and Chris can't. So that's, like, you know, the people I fucking talk to. (laughs) I count Erica, and sometimes she's on a fucking podcast. What? Amy? She's been on our podcast. Anyway, so I mostly listen to podcasts. But, oh my god. Gemma Files is a Toronto author and movie critic. And she had a very interesting thing to say about this whole star rating, too. I mean, it isn't arbitrary in her mind, but she agrees with you that three and a half is a fucking fine rating. Yeah. Not everything needs to be five fucking stars. Mm-hmm. I, I hate that. I like Starburst Magazine. They do a rating out of 10, and they do the rating. They they rate different elements. Like, they'll rate, like, the score, and they'll rate, like, the script, and they rate different elements of films. They'll rate... Uh, out of 10 what they had wanted from a film and then what their actual you know experience was like so their perceived score so you know going into films like human centipede some people would have been like uh, a two-star rating 
perceived and then actuality has like 10 stars or whatever and then you got those other people that you know hoped it would be all sexy or whatever and then mm-hmm. ended up in a horror film that was like an artsy horror film at that so then they end up with two stars so that sort of like perception versus actual rating i really really enjoy um yeah it makes so much more sense to do the rent owner buy or rent own avoid yeah, yeah, yeah. that's BTK that's a pretty does. good that's a pretty it's a much more honest thing and no one can come back on you and be like three and a half stars yeah, burning hell there's good performances in it son of frankenstein is not a bad movie it's just three and a half stars. it's good it's fine you can quantify your rating system yeah you know retroactively and make it up for him if you I, want i mean like there's there's like i mean people could be like come on like karloff and bella lugosi i'm like again karloff and bella lugosi karloff has no lines like the, why does that not bother anybody but me he had lines in the last movie anyways i don't care either anyway what star rating would you give blood widow uh fucking Five out of 12 suck my dicks. I don't fucking care. How many suck your dicks? What the fuck? That's not a rating. You just made that up. <laughs> just like ratings themselves are made up. The arbitrary dick suck rating. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I can't tell anymore. <laughs> and on that note, I'm Wes Snipe. And I'm Typical Lydia. And you've been listening to Dead Air.